Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today I'm joined by writer, game developer, podcaster, YouTuber, and king of the muffled catawampus, it's Mikey Newman, and today we're talking about Ed Brubaker's 2006 X-Men Origins retcon, retcon Deadly Genesis. It retconned. Hi, Mikey. Hello, it John. It retconned giant-sized X-Men from 1975. See? I knew that off the dome. You're st- I'll give you points. Points for starting off without uh, with a X-Men fact without me prompting it. That's amazing. Can I tell my Lead- one Ed Brubaker story? You have a, you have a story? I, more than me. I met, so I met him. He's the nicest okay. man in the world. Oh, I'm uh, so glad to hear that. This is going to be awkward if it was the opposite. Yeah. He stabbed me four times. No, uh, he tripped I, me and spat on me. There's no way not to big time this story. I was at one of my Ooh. friend's houses. His Tom name Cruise. is his name is Will. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I know this friend. Yeah, you are aware of this friend. Uh, so Will, because we're playing cards against humanity. Will and his wife. As you do. Me. Yeah. We're, I yeah. mean, back when that was a cool thing to do, when it was like new. Um, yeah. And we're like, we need a fourth. And and Will's like, oh, I'll I'll call my neighbor name my neighbor Ed. And That's I was like, funny. oh, cool, yeah. So like, he's like, oh yeah, Ed's coming over. And I was like, what? Who? Which Ed is this? What's going on? And he's like, oh, he writes comics. I don't know if you know him. And I was like, William, is your neighbor Ed Brubaker? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> how'd you know that? And I was like, your neighbor killed Captain America. Yeah, this so this was after Winter Soldier. Yeah, it was like right during that time, I think. Yeah, he it, he, it had just he, happened. That's amazing. Yeah, he he he's like known for that, and not not only that, but his other works. But obviously, yeah, he made he made uh, our Winter Soldier boy. Yeah, he made that 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 Iron Armed boy. He gave um, birth to Sebastian Stan. I believe. Yeah, he did. He birthed him out of his his brain canal. Um. <laughs> And uh, and then they thought he did such a good job, so they let him have a bunch of other comics, including the X Men. A, a few hundred or so. A few hundred. He basically around. like he he. It's. I appreciate you having a story like that to to point out to have a nice little uh uh venue to talk about his contribution with Winter Soldier. But Ed Brubaker was like the next big thing in the early two thousands as far as comics. Like he was like the golden boy for. Yeah. Uh, writing for Marvel, um, the the editors at the time, I think it was uh, Hamish and and, and Casada. Yeah, Casada. Yeah, Joe Casada. Um, See, I know stuff. And yeah, you know stuff. We know Joe Casada. It's hard to not know that name. Uh, but yeah, they they love that boy, and they gave him uh, X Men. But they gave him X Men in a troubled state, in a post House of M world, where <laughs> like, really... you can have X. Yeah, I was gonna you, say... you can have the X Men. But there's only like 200 of them left. That's all yeah. you get to play with. That's <laughs> yeah. all. The playground of mutants. Oh, sorry. Oh, and Char- sorry. Charles Xavier also no longer. Yeah, you can't have he can't you can't have him as a mutant. Um, I must say, having Charles Xavier with the ability to walk and not letting him play tennis, short sighted. <laughs> Let that tennis. man play some tennis. He, he, you know what? I don't know if I've seen him play tennis Killer in basketball. the comics. I've, I genuinely have seen him play basketball. Mm. There, there is, because, mm. because people, it's funny. Every time I do these episodes, um, 
about 50% of the time, people ask the question, why is Professor X walking now? Because he's walking and not walking all the time. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah, been yeah. around for 60 years. Sometimes it's he a gets, dream. Some, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's in and out of the chair uh, all the time, and there was one like in like a run that I was reading from like the '90s, and it's like this is great like full splash page, you know, of Professor X in this great little basketball getup with high shorts and a headband, and everything like, and he's shooting shooting hoops, and it's him in in the danger room playing basketball. Um, but I, God, I don't know if he's played tennis. I have to I have to I have to see if 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 Professor X has played tennis. Uh, true story: They banned Nightcrawler from basketball because they could never tell if he was traveling or not. Yeah, <laughs> they, they in a world where they let golden retrievers play basketball, they didn't let Mike Nightcrawler there's, play basketball. There's, there is a rule that Nightcrawler there is can't a rule play basketball. That mutants that pass through a dimension to transfer themselves to other places can't play basketball. Well, we're reading Deadly Genesis one through six. Yes. It was a, it was a uh, mini series that wasn't part of one of the main titles, which is crazy considering that it is one very canonical and two completely changes the origin stories of the X Men and introduces a character Vulcan yes. who was going to like run half the x-men comics for like years afterwards and he was you uh, just jumping forward to the end of this 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 story vulcan leaves yes and after that what followed was he basically went and took over the entire Shira empire and made a galactic war happen um can we and refer to him as kid vulcan kid vulcan is are you, are you an early stan you an early stan uh, I, I just thought it was funny that he's like, sometimes I go by Kid Vulcan. I'm 38. <laughs> it's like a 41-year-old man going by Mikey. What's going on? I, You know what? Uh, my last uh, co-host was another Mikey. I had another Mikey. And he's, and he's also old like us. Oh. Uh, so, 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 you know, Mikey's are, are everywhere, okay? It's, you know? I'm so old and it's so long ago that I can tell people I'm the Mikey from Life Serial and they will believe me. Yeah, actually, you could. You could pull that off because you're just like a generic looking white boy that could just have been what that little boy grew into. No one remembers like what his hair color necessarily was or eye colors. They just know it was like a little grumpy white boy in like the <laughs> 80s. Grumpy white boy. <laughs> I was 40 when I was five. <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk about Deadly Genesis uh, by Ed Brubaker. Yes. Um, let's talk about where it came from. And we've already gone over it a little bit. Uh, it was, you know, uh, it was editorially speaking, um, Marvel had fixed X-Men. And I put air quotes because I don't think the X-Men needed fixing, but sure. they all, uh, enough of them in the office were like, you know, Joe Casado was like, we got, you made too many. There's too many mutants. You've done, you need to stop making them. But that's what everybody loves. Everybody loves a new mutant. Everybody loves who, when you're, I mean, you're a writer yourself. Yeah. And you get the reins of like one of your favorite franchises that like one of the things is like you can totally make new characters that will be canonically in there seemingly maybe for years, if not decades afterwards. You're going to want to make a new character. You're going to want to add, sure. you know, your, your bishop. You're going to want to, you know, make uh, Cable. And, uh, but they gave Ed Brubaker the the reins, and they said, "Okay, you can't make more mutants. Like literally, we just did this whole thing with Scarlet Witch, and you can't make anymore." And Ed's like, "I wanna, I wanna make more mutants." But what about in the past? That's what he did, and so he was like, "If I sneak a story 
in between the end of the X-Men in the 1970s and giant size X-Men number one, if I sneak one in there, you can't say I made new X-Men. They were hiding in space and rock. They were always there. Yeah. They were always there. And so I think that's, that's point number one. I think a genius way of Edward Baker just being like, but I want to, I got some cool ideas for this guy who is always evolving, but I want to add him in. And he did that. And, and, and at the same time, Brian Michael Bendis, another pretty well-known name yeah. in, in the comic world, he was also doing similar things to Avengers. He did Avengers Disassembled, uh, which was basically him completely destroying the Avengers or the status quo of them at the time. He killed a few characters, including the Vision and Hawkeye. Um, and he started a whole thing called the New Avengers, which is considered one of the one of the greatest Avengers titles ever. And Ed was kind of wanted to do the same thing seemingly like do these deconstruction kind of stories. Um, and he did that, I think with deadly Genesis, not only with changing their origin story, but the one thing, and I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on this, that the thing that about this story that really, I guess rubs people the wrong way is that in deadly Genesis, we really popped the bubble of the altruistic image of professor X as this nice, Tennis playing, sweet old man. He's a manipulative who, old hag. That one. He is, and old, old, old uh, readers like myself and people who have really read, read into it for years. Like, it's not a surprise to us, but apparently, it was like a lot of people were like, "No, I like when he's in, when he's not a manipulative sob." That uh, you know, this is so out of character. And I read Deadly Genesis. I was like, "This tracks. This totally tracks." He's. He's been doing shady things for years, and this is totally right. What What's your thoughts on this version of Professor X? I uh, so we came up with this phrase. Uh, feel free to mute this series if you want to. I'm going to talk okay. about Harry Potter for a second because <laughs> we talked about this a while ago um, on my show before everyone was canceled. But uh, don't your show, Film Joy. Yeah, sorry, Movies of Mikey on Film Joy. Uh, Movies of Mikey on Film Joy. Go we, subscribe right now and, watch, and binge watch everything. You please, will thank me for it. I you will thank that. me for it. Um, we came up with this sentence that is basically defines Dumbledore. I did bad thing to protect you. Yeah. And he never tells you what it is. It's just like, <laughs> I decided. And like, it gave me that vibe. Yeah, I like the mental images. I did bad thing to protect you, and then he walks away, and you're just and you're like just eating your cereal. Like, what does he mean by that? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, he just tells you that. And and Harry Harold, our young Harold, always figures yeah. it out like a millisecond before being exploded into like atoms. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, he was lying to me. So okay, okay, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. Professor X is tr- has is trying to keep under this umbrella of. Mutants can go coexist with humanity and we just need to get them humans to not fear and hate us. Right. And that's priority number one. And if a couple of students die along the way and I got to wipe some memories in order to make that a good, I'll do it, you know, because it's for the greater good. He's, he's one of the village people from uh, hot fuzz. I, I, um, I do think if I was Scott Summers, for example, I would count the number of times that I'm aware that, Professor X did a mind wipe on me and I'd be like that's four strikes bro like that's too many you can't wipe someone's memory four times it's a it it's it happens a lot more often in the comics than people uh, realize I mean uh 
Kitty Pride, Shadowcat, if you know who that character is. Yes. Uh, Elliot Page's character from uh, at the movies. Uh, the only reason that the char- the character Kitty Pride's parents let her be in M- Xavier's school instead of going to Emma Frost school was that Jean Grey and Professor X changed their parents' minds. And just were like, we know it would be better if she goes to our school. And, and, and it's funny. You say Cyclops. In the panel, they're like... He's like, I thought her parents were going to totally make her go to Emma's. And they're like, oh, we changed his mind. And Cyclops is like, you did what? And Gene just, you know, without batting an eyelash, goes, we do it all the time. And he's like, okay, let's go make out. You know, that kind of, like, Scott's that kind of way. But he should start being, like, keeping a little journal of moments where he's like, the psychic, the telepath did a no-no. I need to mark this down. Um, but uh, Ed knew... That Professor X was a jerk. Yes. Um, and he was like, I'm going to write a story about it. And he also kind of knew that this status quo of House of M was going to last for a long time. And so he took this as an opportunity to write a story that didn't necessarily mean that he had to just focus on the decimation event, which is kind of like, it's like, don't talk about the thing everybody wants to talk about. And I love that. I love that he didn't want to do that. And it's good he didn't do that because this, the House of M, no more mutants thing didn't get resolved till 2012. Right. So like six years after this story and Ed's been writing X-Men for like a couple years prior to this, he had done this whole other um, event. And so like, it's good. He took the moment to, to kind of take a big swing. And I, I for one think it paid off. I remember reading it this for the first time back in the two thousands. And I was like, this is so cool. I loved uh, a retcon. I loved uh, the addition of these characters. I loved the revelation of finally knowing who the third Summers brother was. Right. Like, I loved it. It wasn't until years later that I found out, like, a lot of people don't like this story at all. Like, are really critical of it. And I think there's criticism, val- you know, validly applied to this. But generally speaking, I enjoyed it. Mikey Newman, did you enjoy it or do you have uh, qualms? No, I. it's a, a cerebral X-Men, not really high on the action. Like we, we open this story with like, with like the Sentinels are now just like security cameras. They're they a are. little they're, obvious. They're, ne- they're nest. Just sitting there <laughs> 500 feet tall in the sky. I think people have noticed you. Yeah. But the government they, is spying on whatever mutants are left. Is the... the government is taking this as an opportunity. The fact that there's only about 200 of them left, 198 to be exact, and uh, is going to talk about, I did a bad thing for your own good. That's what the government is doing. Is yeah. like, we're going to take these symbols of your of your uh, extinction and we're going to post them around right. your school for your protection. It's for your protection, everybody. Okay? I mean... Uh, I mean, that's what we've all been working towards is like put, you know, the things that will protect the students at schools that we need more weapons at schools. Right. And so I'm the glad somebody are said that. it. Shoot. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the U.S. government in Marvel Comics of 2006 was ahead of their game and knew this was how you protect the kids with giant robots with lasers in their arms. Who what don't use wrong? them? They just kind of like the Sentinels are there, but they're just not part of this story like at all. Yeah. What's. All better is that all those Sentinels are, as you as you see when one of them goes to try to fight Kid Vulcan, I'll call him by his proper name. Uh, KV? They're manned by dudes. They're not just like AI robots. They got dudes in them. Yeah. And... Um, the, and if you could, if you could tell from how the military is portrayed in this comic, when they go and try to get Wolverine from the military, it's full of the nicest gentlemen 
ever that love mutants. Salutations, mutants. Salutations, brethren. (laughs) Um, So what is the context of House of M? We've already gone over a good chunk of it talking about. Can I list one of my complaints with House of M? As a a hard stickler, I've always wanted to edit the end of that comic to say only about 200 more mutants. (laughs) Not no more mutants. Which is an inaccurate it, statement. Yeah, Wanda. it would have been accurate. She wasn't very thorough. Yeah. You know? Whoops, missed like, you. Like, like, she didn't even get Wolverine. Like the the mutant. Yeah. Of the poster Marvel. child. Yeah. The poster child. The one who's in like six titles at a time. <laughs> um, yep. They, she couldn't get him. He's, she got Professor X, but couldn't get him. He's very busy um, though. He's tough to track, track down sometimes. Yeah, he is. Um, though he smells like beef all the time all the <laughs> i time. imagine i imagine that man has quite the uh unique odor yeah um his bowl of just, cereal in the morning it's just raw yeah 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 and milk i don't i don't know what like 200 years of scars smells like <laughs> uh but that's what he is he's just he's just rebuilt you know meat sludge from from on and on and on there, um, there is a real uh, Theseus' ship argument, as if it's, it's still Wolverine. The if only he's thing all that I can replaced. other than except for his bones, which Those have been were pro- originally replaced. That was the first. No, thing they, that they're was- laced. They're laced, oh. and so it, it like inside of inside of Wolverine is still the original bones for the most part. Except, nope, you're right. There was a part during we just we just did an episode like a month ago fatal attractions magneto takes all the adamantium out yeah and then he totally got decimated a few times when he was all bones do you do Um, you ever wonder if they're just like hollow bones with like the dust like decalcified (laughs) dust of because like they would have broken millions upon millions of times yeah yeah well, a lot of people don't know this, but Wolverine drinks like three gallons of milk a day. Um, yeah, with his steak so, in the morning, like we were talking. With his steak in the morning. Um, House of M, the the not so clean uh, decimation of all mutants yes. happened. We can tell from this comic, Xavier is missing. And that was one of the big mysteries. There's a few mysteries that came out of House of M and people couldn't find Xavier and people couldn't find Magneto. Um, and so the X-Men were actively trying to find him and couldn't find him. And we see the reason why this, this was the comic again, a mini series that wasn't like part of the main numbers was the one that reveals professor X is a human, no longer a mutant, not even depowered. That's what Scarlet, Witch did was she turned them into humans. They, yeah. they, they were completely turned. Um, and the little thing at the beginning of deadly Genesis, uh, issue one yeah. of beasts, quandary about you know where does the energy go that's how house of m ended so this book was the answer to that little question he poses at the end of house of m so it's a little bit of a closure for people who were like what's he talking about what he's talking about is that all those millions of mutant energies are going to get sucked up by our friend kv and he's going to get he's going to become omega kv um and then yeah you you had your little fact at the beginning the other context is this you kind of need to understand what happened in giant size x-men number one yeah um at least a little bit you at least need to know that the story goes the original x-men got trapped on an island called krakoa called krakoa 
um, who is an enemy at this time, but now is our friend and motherland where all the mutants live. They live on Krakoa now. Um, then he he got all these new X-Men that included Wolverine, Storm, Colossus, Banshee, Sunfire, all them, Nightcrawler, to go get them. And we thought that was the story. And that's what, uh, you know, the the way that Krakoa ends is... That, and actually, there's a there's an error in the comic. It says Gene sent Krakoa into space. Gene didn't do it. It was Storm. I don't. I think someone yeah. in editorial didn't catch that. But Storm, with the help of Polaris's uh, magnetic power, sent Krakoa to space, and that's why there's that rock in space. Why we find uh, KV with his friend Darwin in. Um, and but that's only the background you need. Darwin was the guy in X Men First Class, right? Yes. He also dies in that. Oh, sorry, spoilers. He, I, well, I guess he maybe, doesn't really die. He's kind of absorbed by KV. I guess. In the books, in the movie, he dies. And I, I don't think I've been ever as angry as that moment when that happened. I forgave um, them because of the quarter bit at the end with Kevin Bacon <laughs> is so solid. The quarter bit is great, but I, there, there's, there's moments where like, I know that when I go to the movies, I need to switch over to adaptation mind, let right. them adapt. Let them, they're going to play with it. You know, they're going to change things. Yeah, a movie needs to stand on its own. I fervently it does. believe that. Like, if you have to read something, if you have to do homework before watching a film, the film has already failed. Yeah, I, exactly, exactly. I, I And I fully agree with that. Um, it was in that moment, it was the combination of Sebastian Shaw not having his real powers. That's not Sebastian Shaw's powers in the comics, which is an odd choice, but fine. Um, it was that... And that those new powers killed the one mutant whose power is I live. I survive. That's my power. I survive. No matter what, I yeah. survive. I, I wish they had just like, I don't know, like kill Havoc. I don't like I know he's like Scott Summers' brother and that's a big hero, but like do that instead. That would have been interesting. Um Yeah, nobody I, wants to be the third brother. Like he was the second Summers brother, and at the end of this series, he's now the third. Well, the funny thing is that he just down the whole thing. The whole thing about Havoc is that he is always the younger brother of Scott Summers, which is part of his like his issues that he has. Right. Um, and the great thing about introducing the third brother is that should introduce a younger brother that should be, you know, under Havoc. No, nope. the problem is that Vulcan became such a big player in the comics. Like he like even usurped Havoc. Poor Havoc can never get the spotlight. Maybe he, fly to space and join the Shi'ar, bro. He actually does fly to space and fight his brother. Havoc oh. like gets his whole team that he goes and he fights his brother with the team, and he kind of Star Lords it up for a bit. Kind of makes his own X Men Guardians team. Um, that's fun. And it's it's fun. It's fun. Um, but uh, that's all there is to know about going about before you read uh, Deadly Genesis. Yes. Um, and. Before we get into the story, I think an easy way of going of like starting off these episodes is talking about the cast of these episodes. And so my first question to you, Mikey, is other than these new characters that were introduced via the retcon, was there anybody else in this comic that was new to you or surprising to you or confusing to you? Uh, I don't think so. I can quickly... Like, do you know who like Marvel Girl, like yeah. Rachel Summers yeah. is? Okay. Um, she's sometimes a because she hasn't been adapted in anything yet. She's the future child of like a version of Gene and Scott um, that came back into the past. Right. Uh, I but I noticed that Scott accidentally more than once in this series 
calls Rachel Jean or like starts <laughs> talking to Jean. Like it, it was sad. Uh, it, well, he, uh, he, he misses his, his girlfriend. That's well, wife. his he whole his wife. character arc. He just, <laughs> well, once she he, died, he will never emerge from that moment. Well, he, he, he actually found a little bit of a moment after that. Uh, once, Jean died, which actually wasn't too long ago. Jean's death is actually pretty fresh in this one. Her second death. Jean's died yeah. twice. Who um, hasn't? <laughs> Buffy Summers died twice. Did she? Yeah. That's yeah, part of the like you... whole Once More With Feeling thing. She has a song lyric that's, hey, I died twice. <laughs> that's so great. I never knew that. I'm not, I never was a Buffy uh, head. It's probably so... a little too late to become one if I were to. I feel like it I... passed. Yeah, that uh, moment I... has gone. Uh, but Jean died, and when she died, Scott got a new girlfriend, Emma Frost, and I th- talk about a downgrade. <laughs> I will. I you got to be careful. I'm a big Emma head here. Okay, I love Jean. I love my girls. I love my X Men girls. I, I love them all. I I I love what I love about the X Men is it gives people a second chance. So a lot of X Men yeah. are like people that used to be. In this instance, yes. in the Hellfire Club and what else? And yes. Uh, so I like that, but also it becomes like a weird double standard with Professor Xavier because he's never following any of his own lessons. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that that all like rang really true here. So Emma's involvement here actually was great because I'm yeah. like, you're better than he is. So yeah, uh, the the I think the biggest. A compliment you can give someone like uh grant morrison who wrote the uh, new new x-men uh was that they like made they they didn't fix but they made the best version of emma frost like grant morrison redefined emma in a post hellfire world and she became just so much more interesting and so much of a better character because she works so well as a teacher yeah when she's like in some sort of headmistress position or in some sort of leadership position on like in a, in a congregation of mutants, she's the most fun. Um, and so I adore her, but I've, I'm also a big Jean Grey fan. So I either, I think, I think both those ladies could do better than Cyclops. I, but I agree. I've never recovered from when, when the Phoenix died in the original X-Men cartoon, because that was my introduction to the X-Men back yes. in the day. It was obviously the best cartoon oh. of all time. We jumped we jumped so quickly into comics, so we didn't ask the first question I always ask, but is that, Mikey, what's your background in comics? You clearly have read stuff. Like, I've, what's written, your... I've written a few, as it turns out. You've written a few? Yeah. See, I get to learn new Mikey lore when I talk to you now. Well, uh, uh, yeah. I, wrote, I, don't, I don't think I knew that. I wrote uh, a thing with... Len Peralta called Exterminate, which we self-published. Nice. Um, there were two issues of that. It was about uh, a guy that could go into your dreams and kill your nightmares. Uh, it was really fun. That's fun. It was fun. It's really good. I go like check that. It. I think it's still on Comixology. Oh, fun. Uh, okay. I wrote the original 12, uh, the first 12 Borderlands comics that was published by oh. IDW. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote a four-issue little mini-series uh, of Brothers in Arms. Yeah, I do a lot of video game comics of my own games, which is fun. Um, well, it makes sense for them to tap the writer of the game if, if for comics if you're down for it. Yeah. That's fun. So you've written, and you clearly have read 
stuff. Yeah. You know, you're an old nerd. What's that? What's that been like? Yeah. I, I like more cinematic comics. So I really appreciate how Ed Brubaker writes. Cause it's very cinematic, like cutting from one scene to another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so everything's kind of one story, but it, it's sort of like ABC plots all. So I really appreciate that. Um, I haven't really read all that much X-Men. I guess some of the old stuff. I read the whole run of Astonishing, which I yeah. love to this day. Um, uh, which was kind of being released in succession with this as well. The, like uh, Astonishing X-Men was taking place around this exact same time. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It, ha- it has a lot of the same costumes and characters because it's definitely mm-hmm. at the... I. I give Astonishing the moment where Wolverine becomes Wolverine again because he like sort of stops being Wolverine for a second because his mind's all screwed up. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then like everyone else needs these big things to come back and he just sees a beer and he's like, so Uh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They're all they all are getting garbled and scrambled and he just needs that to come back. Just that one can of beer. That's all he needs. That's what that's what he smells like beef and beer. Uh, milk. So, milk beef. Uh, so yeah. Okay. So we've got a pretty normal, like a pretty recognizable cast of characters, yeah. but we get to meet new characters. We get to meet Petra. Yes. Who is uh, a immigrant from Denmark, um, and manages at the age of thirteen to save herself from the mutant power from a rock slide that kills her whole family. Very yes. tragic. A lot of these characters have tra- tragic stories, which makes them all ripe for getting picked up by Moira McTaggart to kind of save them from their lostness. I, um, I the second one I think is the only one that I didn't quite appreciate within the story, which is random gang violence drive-bys are so <laughs> dumb. Like, it just doesn't happen. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, considering this was like 2006, this sounds like this is not too far from the era where I feel like everyone was really worried about gangs a lot yeah. um, more. Not that we should stop being worried about gangs, but, you know, the it's the flavor of the month kind of thing with, like, what's scary in the news. Yeah, I'd um, be scared of what's actually in the news and what's actually happening. I think yeah, yeah, be, yeah. Like, don't listen to Charles Xavier. He'll lie to you. He will lie to you um, to protect you. Sway, Sway is who Sway. we're talking about. Yes, Sway, um, another uh, immigrant from Hong Kong, um, and then we meet my 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 dear boy Darwin, who I've made very clear that I love that little that little uh, weird boy, uh, an Afro Hispanic boy with a mother that um, does not like him, unlike Charles Xavier who likes him. Yeah. Um, and his mom, his kids try to drown him at school and he just evolves the ability to breathe underwater. I was like, I'll die for you. His, his power is passive aggressiveness, but it's not even <laughs> aggressive. It's just pass. It's just passive passiveness. He just, you know, if you're, if his mom hates him, he'll get really smart to make her happy. Just see her smile. If yeah. his friends try to drown him, he just grows gills and just takes a break. To, to, you know? to do his powers. He just has to do to, yeah. To deliver one beleaguered sigh. Yeah, he just say that's that's just him at all times. He's like, here we go again uh, in one just sound. Yep. He's great. Darwin is fantastic. Darwin's Darwin nice. Darwin one of my favorite facts about Darwin was that he survives no matter what, and it's gotta be so fun as a writer 
to come up with new unique ways of how he does this yeah. because they all everyone who's gotten their hands on him has had fun with it he was faced with a fight with the hulk and his body went no and transported him like a hundred miles away like he just teleported away from the hulk because his body was like we're not winning bro let's just go we could just peace out he they had this whole event where they were down in hell with like the norse gods and everything like that and he got touched by hella the goddess of death who has the death touch yeah. and his body to counteract it turned him into the angel of death he just became the angel of death to not die and like that's his level of like absurdity and so it's very fun when people get to do weird things with him yeah um because he's just kind of a he's he's a crackerjack box of all kinds of options i i would like to see the angel of death give the deep beleaguered sigh like (laughs) (laughs) another one uh and then we get to meet I don't know why that sounded like <laughs> Fat Albert. I'm sorry. It did a little bit. Hey, it hey, did. Hey, hey, I'm the angel of death. <laughs> um, we meet Vulcan. Yes. Kid Vulcan. Kid Gabriel. Um, and the the mystery of the third Summers brother had actually been around for quite a while. I don't know if you knew of this prior, but back in 1993 um un or x-men i think it was like 108 or something like that um mr sinister in a conversation with cyclops is talking to him and he he slips and and says i wouldn't want that for you and your brothers and cyclops said why did you pluralize that yeah and sinister said did i oh i didn't mean to i just meant your brother havoc and that for and then he winked a, four times <laughs> he did to the, it was really odd they drew it they took time to yeah. have three panels of winks <gasps> um and you know like you you know how nerds are you give them a little thing like that even if even if it was a mistake which i don't think it was a mistake and they go <gasps> who's the third summer's brother and so it was speculation for years and so i I commend Ed for going like I'm taking that and I'm I'm writing my name in history as the one who defined who the third Summers brother was, and I'm going to get to write that into history. And uh, so that was the fun thing about Kid Vulcan was yeah. that he was the mysterious new brother, and kind of creates this nice little triforce of energy powers between the Summers brothers. Um, so i wanted to go through some of the criticism we've already gone over a little bit of it i'd love to hear your thoughts on these critiques um that people had for this comic we already went over like the character assassination of professor x and i think that's can be just kind of distilled to people need to be okay with characters changing um or and making uh, mistakes because like yeah these characters should and are multitudes is that they they're they're all they all we we determined this in the last episode when I had my other Mikey who is a licensed counselor and crisis manager, and we came to the conclusion that like they all need therapy. They they all do. They don't none of them get it, but they all need therapy and they all have issues that could really take years to figure out and they haven't even started yet. I think um, speaking of therapy and and yes, uh, editor's note: please go to therapy, especially go to if therapy. you need to go to, right now. Go to therapy; it'll pa- help. Pause this episode and go yeah, to therapy. Let's pause this episode. Uh, you do have to make an appointment, so maybe pause it and call them. Don't just yeah. show up at the office and be like, "All right, here's my problems." <laughs> I declare therapy. You can't do that at the offices. <gasps> they don't. That's not how it works. Not south of the Mason Dixon line. No. <laughs> 
but north you can just usurp someone's therapy appointment by just saying i need it they go well have you seen the sopranos which takes place in new jersey and tony repeatedly usurps uh somebody else's therapy session as long as you're a giant mob boss you can do (laughs) stuff like that as long Uh, as you're a soulless murderer yeah you're good you're good. Also, go but to therapy if you're a soul. Also, murder. just go to therapy. Please. Uh, the other thing was a lot of people thought this was a sloppy retcon of Giant Size X-Men 1. I think people now, say that when anything is retcon because now they have to sort of like yeah. update their understanding of the world. Because yes. like people are like, this is true right now. It'll be true forever. And like stories yes. b- grow and bloom over time. Yeah. I... I one no retcon in all of history has ever been airtight it doesn't work it it, it there's there's going to be little leaks and as long as you have most of the connectors in place yeah. that makes it fun and makes sense enough i don't think you need to be airtight i loved um this is a, similar to a statement i remember you said in one of your i think it was one of your videos where you pointed out you were you said um we need to stop getting hung up about plot holes um, i i think that was patrick Willems actually I maybe I might have said something similar but he made a whole I'm pretty sure you've said I hate the term plot hole I I I you you expressed distaste with that at the very minimum in a video once I think it was like a it might have been like a Star Wars one of your Star Wars videos something like that but I could be wrong but I know you've said that and I think that that's smart way of looking at this stuff because I don't think a lot of people realize this, but these these characters have been around for, at this point, like 50, 40 years. Yeah. You're still writing new stories. And so, like, if you want to add to their history, it gets harder and harder to be airtight with it. And that's part of what makes these characters interesting is doing, adding to their history, adding to their past or or blossoming that a little bit. I spend a lot of time on the internet. And if I've noticed any comment that sort of always comes up, it's that Marvel is airtight every time. They have no <laughs> issues whatsoever. They nail it every time for their entire audience. They satisfy their Everyone entire audience. Everyone loves the Eternals. It was perfect. No notes. <laughs> I actually like Eternals, the movie. <laughs> I like Chloe Zhao. I, I, uh, uh, there's, like, there's like a category of movies that I go, I'm not going to argue your criticism of this movie. I agree with everything you're saying, but for some reason it worked for me. And Eternals is right underneath King Arthur, Legend of the Sword, uh, uh, Guy Ritchie's uh, mess that I adore and watched like six <laughs> times. I think what, what bugs me about stuff like the Eternals is we've now entered it. Cause it's, it's not even most of the movie. Cause most of the movie was like pretty good. It's a little slow maybe, but yeah. like the post credit sequences stop. Yeah. Full stop. I agree. You've introduced uh, so many characters at this point in phase yeah. two or which. Yeah. Is it phase two? That was, that was like phase three or phase four. It was no. Yeah. Phase four, but they call like the second cause it's one, two, three, four, five, six. 79 okay presumably for the whole trifecta okay it's too it's too much too many too many characters i agree i agree uh and then so but the other problem with that movie is that scene where john snow shows up with rob stark and they're both clean shaven and i'm like <laughs> i have not felt this emotion of which white man is which since <laughs> the game of thrones pilot 
Don't do that. It's nice that it's nice they got to you know hang out again, you know, on set and be buddies. Hey, remember that time you, know? you died and I became the hero of the show? Yeah. That was yeah. cool. Remember Remember the two scenes we had together in Game of Thrones through its entirety because of the rest of the time we were in like different parts of the country I'd in this show? Put my hand on your shoulder and say, hello, brother. That's it. <laughs> and, That's everything. It's, it's great. Um, the other criticism a lot of people had was how they dealt with killing off Banshee. Some people thought it was... A little off screen. A little off screeny, a little uh, like he was a second hand idea in order to, to you know, uh, uh, advance a plot that had nothing to do with him. Like he really didn't have much to do in this story. Um, a lot of people thought that he's like he's already like a off screen character all the time. Like Banshee is rarely, you know, front and center spotlight. If anything, his daughter is more often highlighted, Siren. Um, and I. I, again, I don't really, I am like, okay, if that bothered you, I get it. Cause like, there's been times where I don't like how they've killed off characters. I just talked about one right now in the movie Dar with Darwin. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, if a lot of people like Banshee had been going through a lot actually before this, he had actually turned a little bit into a militaristic fascist oh. before this. Well, that's not good. <laughs> it's not. He, he got. He, he, he kind of went like he used to be a cop. That's his origin story before he became the Banshee. And so he kind of went back into his origins a little bit, but then they redeemed him a little bit. Sort of. He got his throat cut and couldn't speak um, and the lost his powers. Who, is, he's the guy who screams, right? He's the guy who screams. That's why he jumps out of the plane to try to stop yeah. the blackbird from hitting the place. Um, he got healed enough to get his powers back. And so I think this was like, I don't know. It was like he was. It was his hero's goodbye. He was. He was there to reveal the the truth about Vulcan, and uh, and you know he's back. That's that's why. Also, I'm like at this point now in the year 2023. I'm like he's back. He's back. I all all the X Men are back. I did. This isn't a criticism, but I did find it interesting that all of the X Men are very broken up about Banshee's death. They're very pissed <laughs> off. The hundreds of people that died on the plane. Not even brought up again. No. Whatever. No. <laughs> I just, I noticed that. Because I was like, isn't this also pretty bad? Because they all well, just got murdered? I mean, numbers wise, if there's a only 198 mutants left and they just lost one, you know, that's losing half a percent of your population. You know, 200 humans, that's not even half the world's population of humans. So, you know... <laughs> I'm, I, I don't I don't believe anything I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm this is totally a joke. Yeah, um, these are made up characters. I don't think that's how we should calculate the value of human lives. Um, in the X Men comics, I agree. In the X Men comics, grand statement you've just made. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the story yes. though, because um, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this whole story i i want to i want to know like what made sense to you what questions you had what you would have done differently or what you thought was really great um the whole first issue is just set up it's just set up of uh you know the, them going like it's, it's after house of m there's yeah. a bunch of uh giant sentinels around our base um we can't find professor x let's use cerebra um, it's called Cerebra at this point. They changed it, so it's 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 got a feminine term. There, it's very 
very oh, forward-thinking Emma's, Emma's using it? Uh, now, now Emma's using it because Professor X is off in uh, having a drink in Wales. Um, just be a cerebro. Just be a cerebro or cerebro. I guess, yeah. Do we call is because bro is like a colloquially like neutral term, but we could use not, bra. Not to everyone, but I, not to everyone. I use pretty much all gender languages interchangeable to me. I, I've answered yeah. to hey girl for decades. Wait, are you saying gender is a construct? I do uh, believe it is in fact a construct. <laughs> Crazy thoughts. Um, so they're the the team's getting haunted a little bit, yeah. which that's one part of this story that I kind of like. I wish they had explained a little bit better. They kind of explained some of it at one point as Vulcan messing with them, um, like when he's got his hand over Rachel Gray's head and he's like forcing her to look through all their minds. They never really explain like why they're being haunted by these images. Nightcrawler is thrown back into the origin story of him being chased around by villagers with pitchforks and fire. And Havoc yeah. is plagued by images of Iceman cheating on his girlfriend and uh, Professor X learning about who his dad was before he told him. Like, how did you translate that when you're reading of like, why were they being haunted? I... Or did, you, did it not even cross your mind? Now I'm trying to find what you're talking about on my iPad. Um, <laughs> they in this first issue, while they're like setting it yeah, up, Nightcrawler yeah. suddenly finds himself like in the German woods. Yeah, that. Um, and at one point, when he's when Vulcan is looking through Rachel uh, Marvel Girl's mind, we see Colossus being backed away by like Soviet like gunmen. Yeah. Um, but this is before he started taking over Rachel Gray's like, is this like, did you think this is just like the spirits of their past? Like, cause of like Vulcan's reemergence were coming to get them. Or is this just like trauma? They're yeah, all, they've I, all got trauma. I think I always interpret X-Men through the lens of trauma. Cause they're all haunted yeah. by both the stuff they've d- done and the stuff that happened to them and not being accepted by the world around them, which, you know, I'm sure it's a metaphor for something. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, my fa- my favorite complete miss of that metaphor was that dumb politician who forgot that the Sentinels are the bad guys in the X Men comics and was uh, on the team of like uh, the humans in X Men. He he had a hot take about that, and people were like, "You do know that they're a metaphor for like fascism." basically nazis like people hating the mutants is basically how the nazis dealt with the jews like that's what that is this is originated from well it's yeah it's also always been kind of a a difficult metaphor like to to push it's a metaphor for the other well because like at some point it it comes down to civil rights but it's the civil rights of an unregistered army and militia um in some instances yeah, well, I mean, they've they've done a bunch of different stuff over the years with the yeah. X-Men. But, like, ultimately, you're running a school that is also an army. Um, yeah. And, and it's even brought up in this comic uh, a couple times by Mora, or Moira, um, yeah. that Charles... Moira McTaggart. Yeah, Moira McTaggart. Yeah, Charles delights in putting children in danger. And he doesn't even bat an eyelid at bleh, yeah. eyelash to this accusation. Wait, yeah. does per- Professor Xavier have eyelashes? He does. He does. Okay, just making sure. Because I was like, 
I wasn't sure how much hair he had, and I off the top of my dome. It's remember. he's got he's got great eyebrows and great eyelashes. Yeah, that's okay. where his his hairline stops. <laughs> but like he is constantly endangering people, and he's not always sure of why. He just yeah. knows it's right, but yeah. he never really like thinks through the steps of like, oh, I'm well, deciding for you yeah. that you might die. I'm not I mean, going to do it to I, me. <laughs> I'm going to be here in my chair sipping cocoa and with the helmet on my head talking to y'all. No, I'm uh, fixed now. I play basketball. <laughs> I play tennis. Uh, Mario tennis. It, it's uh it's the it's the irony of the the dragon that's eating its own tail in that he trains them to protect themselves because he knows a world that's going to fear and hate them is going to hurt them anyways. And so then they defend themselves, but then because they're overpowered, they're giving the humans more of a reason to fear them. But then at the same time, the humans never police them their own metahumans and they just let the Avengers and Fantastic Four be who they are because they're one of them. So it's this whole like everyone's being hypocritical but it's because no one's just like a accepting everybody and b like being practical on how we should be regulating these people that can change the magnetic poles of the earth right you know um because like yeah there's like there's arguments that like leave the little kid that can only speak in images he puts in your head alone but maybe we should have some sort of regulations for the woman that can change the weather across the entire planet in, yeah. with with a thought operating um, in a coordinated unregistered militia. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's secret. Pro tip. That secret. That secret. Well, was secret until like Grant Morrison did the whole like Professor X told the world he was Professor X. He was a mutant. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's it's not. He did, Professor X's solution is not the best solution. We all know this. Huh. Um, Never. And the solution really should be they all need therapy, which is why they and because they all have trauma. Why did Why did we the X Men not have a therapist? Star Trek: The Next Generation had a therapist. I know. Board. It's kind of bonkers. They have introduced multiple medical professionals to the team of different shapes and sizes, including a human at one point um, who was who had a kid that was a mutant, but they've never fully introduced like a therapist but i don't know of many comics that have like there was one story from dc where the justice league set up this kind of like therapy drop box that <laughs> the heroes could go to unload because they need to be able to talk about this stuff but they couldn't tell this to just anybody right um they need to like they're the, i will say the one thing they're doing really well actually you know what i'm now they do do a little therapy and Nightcrawler runs it, um, uh, helped by uh, Professor X's son, Legion, um, yes. who you might recall from the Hulu series. Um, but yeah, they're doing a little bit of therapy now. They are now on Krakoa. Um, it's not working for everybody, but you talked about how like uh, the X-Men constantly have the villains kind of become part of their team. That's been a big theme in the current run of X-Men comics where Apocalypse is now just a a nice dad taking care of all the mutants. Uh, Magneto's with his boyfriend, Professor X, you know, running the high council, you know, even Omega red is like fixed. Cause he's like this murderous, uh, Soviet killer. Um, and now he's like, you know, a vegetarian. Reformed, yeah. 
Yeah, he's they're they're all they're all living on Krakoa, having their own little uh, mutant orgy. Um, in this first issue, also, this is where we do get introduced to like what Banshee's like uh, role is going to be, which is go find files from his old girlfriend Moira McTaggart. Who is Moira McTaggart to you as you're reading this? Like when you go in and you hear that name, like what are you thinking? I I to in my head, it's she is defined by the original cartoon. And she's her a cartoon and, character. Her and Xavier have a little will they, won't they? Um, yes. And in this comic series, she really hates him. Yeah. She really is not happy with his decision making skills. Moira is a great character type, which can be described as woman puts up with men in charge all the time. That's. It's it's what one of the defining features of what made Emma Frost Emma Frost was that she she pulled herself up by her bootstraps in a world and industry and and business that was run by just men that were obviously dumber than her the entire time. And to talk about characters that just sigh as part of their character, this is like Moira just constantly like Charles again, like that's always going to be Moira. Um I, and I just thought of the weirdest, stupidest thing. What if... Share. Okay, you're a villain, and you want the coolest wedding ring of all time. You kidnap Emma Frost, and you force her to stay in diamond form all the time, and you put her on a ring. Biggest diamond yeah. ever. She's you worth use, more dead than alive. You use... Well, you use pim particles. Oh, no. Make tiny Emma on ring ring has a little girl that dances on it that's a cool ring that is a cool just ring. like a little a little moving ring that's there that's just emma frost in tiny form hey marvel call us up we got all the good ideas <laughs> these are these are great ideas um i i i like that uh Blair mctaggart human geneticist at this time yep. now she's been retconned into being a mutant but we can't get into that right now if you want to just listen to the first episode of the show where we cover house of x powers of 10 and then go read it um and she was at this point in the comics she had died in 1991 as at the time the only human that had ever contracted the legacy virus which was the comics uh, yes. metaphor for aids yes um uh, and also with civil rights yeah another minority group metaphor um and so she's been dead since 91 so 15 years at this point um and yeah, she was the only human. Now she's a mutant, so they retconned that. And it made sense why she got the virus that only gets that only mutants get infected by. But talk about old lovers. Banshee and Moira were also a couple, and I think they might have portrayed that in the cartoons as well to a degree. I think Banshee was hanging out on Muir Island um, with her, but that's why he's there looking through her stuff. Is that he's always been a close, uh, special friend of Moira. Um, you know how we call them and then that issue ends with uh, these little origin snap snapshots yeah. which talk about like a like a fun little way to cinematically strip feed the mystery of these new characters yeah. i love that this starts off with like okay we just learned who this petra girl was why are you telling me about this petra girl i i don't yeah. i don't quite get it i think it's fun I don't know what you what you think about I, it like comes kind of, together you, in the fourth issue when finally like all those because we, yeah. we're introduced to the first three including Petra and Sway and then Darwin or yeah. Darwin and then Sway and then Vulcan's the big reveal that, yeah that it's great puts it all together 
Yeah. Um, you kind of get a little bit of like hints near the end of like Darwin and Sway where they introduce like, oh, it's Moira. Because like in Sway's story, they're like, she was going to meet a mysterious person. They don't say who it is. And then it's like, oh, it's this woman. And then it's like, oh, it's Moira. Um, and yeah, so that's issue one. Yeah. Um, issue two is when, uh, you know, oh yeah, in issue one, we forget that the, the, the Vulcan does crash that NASA ship. Um, and that's where Cyclops, Marvel Girl, and Wolverine find it with the, the great, like, hand from the end of cabin in the woods holding the the spaceship i was not expecting uh, cabin in the woods to cross over with x-men in comic form but i was here for it well they were like working at the same time and ed asked his good old buddy joss whedon if john uh, yeah i don't know if they're buddies i don't want to say that about ed um joss did but, work at marvel for a minute there he was pretty yeah, sure that's was, what got was, him the first avengers movie yeah i imagine um anyways that's and that and that's where vulcan captures marvel girl and cyclops and thinks that he kills wolverine because we find out he doesn't know who wolverine is and he thinks that he's just murdered a dude he doesn't know that dude is theseus's ship and is going to make himself over and over again um i'll call back to everything you said i'm 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 just i'm loving all these nuggets you're throwing at me and i'm just going to keep playing with them okay please do uh So that's issue one. It's it, the story like takes place over six issues, but it moves along. I think at a good pace. Issue two is just starts off with Emma getting Wolverine back from racist military dudes. Yeah. Um, doing more of that. Or is it M? You know. Oh, sorry. I'm looking at issue two right now. There is a Beast Kitty thing at the beginning. Oh yeah. What are the, they're they're at the top of it? Uh, cause the uh, they, is that when somebody mind controls the guy. Yeah, Emma mind controls the military guys. Yeah. Um, so this whole series is the telepaths um, doing their thing against sometimes. her will. Ignore that. I mean, let's move on. I I'd love to be like self righteous, but I know for a fact that if I had the ability to nudge people's brains in certain directions, I wouldn't use it for like villainistic reasons but it'd be really hard not to like do it for altruistic reasons when someone is when someone's being racist in your face sure someone's being a bigot in your face i'd have a hard time i'll just say that i'd have a hard time not using my mind powers yeah i i would like telepathically put in their head i need to buy a chili dog and stick it in my underwear because that's what happens. You, you're racing like, out around me. You're getting a chili dog in the underwear. That's perfect because that no one really gets hurt. Like no one's like no one. Nothing really nasty happens. Yeah. No. It's not even expensive uh, chili. It's, it's whatever. <laughs> that that's also where it would be tempting to just come up with creative ways like that to uh, just do like silently embarrassing things to uh, bigots. Um, my girlfriend and I always make this little joke, and this is just a joke, where because she loves Interview with a Vampire, and the show or the movie, movies, both. Oh, um, right. she does actually. She uh, the the show, a bit of an improvement on the movie, um, in my opinion. But she loves it. She's from Louisiana. Um, she loves that you know Anne Rice, uh, New Orleans local, oh, wrote this great series. So Queen of the Damned um, is her favorite film ever. <laughs> Aaliyah is hotter in that movie than any person has ever been. I didn't Full know stop. for a very long time 
that that was technically canonically connected to Interview with the Vampire. It's Lestat, yeah. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. Um, and no, Queen of Dam is not her favorite movie, uh, much to my chagrin. Oh, man, uh, all that new metal in that movie is so perfect. <laughs> I like the pause of you trying to think of a word to describe that <laughs> music. Um, yep. So she loves that. And so we always, you know, as as you do as a couple, you have your little games and you talk about like, you know, what if we were vampires? And, you know, part of Lestat's, uh, uh, you know, qualms that they that the two of them are dealing with is that he doesn't want to murder people. And not that we would want to murder people. If we were vampires and had to murder people, eat the billionaires first at the very oh, least. Yeah. Like, like, do that. Oh, like, David Zaslov. Oh, hide, buddy. <laughs> hide. <laughs> there and there's enough of them i could i could live off of billionaires for quite a while you know and then as they you know go away and new billionaires come up that's my what, job like what, someone write a comic the vampire eating the billionaire eating vampire how would well let's let's workshop this a bit how does okay. the billionaire vampire redistribute the wealth once they've eaten yeah, I guess then that would require you to to you would punish the billionaires by eating them and then use your vampire charming powers to then tell his underlings, "All right, now give all of your employees all of this the their their earnings, their where their their paychecks and all that kind of stuff." And I guess then you'd also have to take care of the bankers. You have to go and deal with the bankers as well as the vampire, you know, to tell them like, "Okay, I know you've got this bank account with you know, a uh, billion dollars from Bob Iger. I need you to give that to I Planned Parenthood. I feel no qualms in saying this because our bank who had already given us, uh, we had signed off on our loan when our house got destroyed in 2021 yeah. with the whole freeze. Uh, our bank was purchased by PNC Bank while that was happening and we lost out on our loan and they gave us a much worse loan, which we had no choice oh, to good. take. Um, so I'm taking PNC out first because we're, we're basically just paying interest on a loan for a thing that the, the insurance company never paid for. All right. Issue one of this comic that's being made is a vampire is the vampire Mikey yeah. taking out all the heads of PNC bank. Yeah. Pink, pink bank as we call them. Yeah. I think this could be a great comic. I, I think, think it is. Get behind this. Um, I just copyright. I wanted to copyright copyright I wanted copyright to put him on blast on a, a podcast because I haven't had this opportunity much. I'm glad I gave you the vehicle Thank to you. talk about your issues with PNC Bank after the Texas P- ice storm. You treated us like poop, PNC. I did not like at, it. At least they did it at a really good time. Yeah, you know when we had no choice and we were paying <laughs> a mortgage and rent for an apartment for ourselves. Which was yep. not paid for, also by insurance. Because you couldn't live in your home because it had been destroyed by f- yeah. ice. After couch diving for a month on friends' couches. Oh, that ice storm. Oh, not my Good favorite. Times. Not my favorite. Good times. Um, I can't We're wait on. till I have Ted Cruz on this episode, on this show. Previously on X-Men. Hello, class. As always, I will keep this brief because I, too, hate huge breaks in the middle of podcasts I'm listening to. Our next episode will be covering X-Men Supernovas. If you want to read ahead, it's a good story. And I'm having my fellow creator, Laurel Rothamel, on the show. And we're going to talk all about Rogue being, well, a boss girl.
And as always, this podcast is brought to you by our Patreon, which pays to keep the Sentinels away, Orcus at bay, and my apartment at a livable temperature while the Texas heat tries to murder me on a daily basis. It's wonderful. If you're in the Patreon and want to jump in the Discord, let me know what you've been reading lately. I always love to hear about people's comic book antics, so jump in there and let me know what, you, what you're browsing. So thank you to all our patrons at patreon.com slash class of X. And now back to the show that asks two queer men, is Professor Xavier prone to the occasional telepathic whoopsies? Okay, we're on issue two. Yes. Uh, Emma gets Wolverine out. Cyclops and Rachel are prisoners. No powers. Trying to talk through what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Having their own little prisoner time. I yeah. I sort of, in, in this panel, where they're like stuck on the... Yeah, they're like, they're T-posing yeah, against the wall. Yeah, they're T-posed against the wall. I my brain immediately, even though they are they had already told us that Magneto's not around right now, I was like yeah. Magneto did that because <laughs> it, it looks like like yeah, yeah, somebody yeah. manipulated metal, manipulated to, the metal bars, so they've got these nice little arm sleeves on them. Yeah, yeah, I feel you. You're you're trying to connect the dots on characters you know. Well, it felt so uh, specific. Like who who would imprison someone like this otherwise? <laughs> Because, like, how long would that... You get to grab a welding torch and slowly hammer <laughs> out little, like... Hope you made them the right size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, like, the, every time they do use metal to bind somebody, I'm always, like... Unless it's, like, around a wrist, I'm like, how are you making sure you're not just crushing them right now? Because if you make it too tight, they literally are being crushed. If you don't make it tight enough, they can just slip out. It's not a expanding restraint, like a rope that is going to, like, you know bind to you um but our our guy kv he does it he got he does it he's got that cyclops and marvel girl all all stacked up on there in those walls and they ain't got no powers I, it um, was nice that he he imprisoned face them, them facing each other that was cool. yeah so they that could talk nice. i mean hey yeah it's smooth but it is your brother i guess it's his brother you know he's got to give him some and his, some, uh, and his niece imprisoning your niece not cool Hard hot take, stance. hot take right there from Mikey Newman. Do not cancel me for that, please. <laughs> I don't think it's okay. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that off off podcast. Um, I've got my thoughts on that. Um, let's let's get through issue two because yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, not a lot happens. Uh, a lot Havoc gets Havoc gets pissed while Emma's trying to use Cerebra, and he shows that he has anger issues as he always does, and then. He goes out in the hallway, and that's when he sees the ghost of Iceman, who was cheating with his girlfriend at the time, Polaris, in the past. Yeah. Which is extra uh, silly now that we know that that all was a front uh, from Iceman, who's a big old homosexual now in the modern day of 2023. Um, he was always but, that. He just had to lie forever. That is correct. That is correct. It's not a um, Another... Another uh, problem that some comic boys have, they say he's not, he's not, that's, that's retconning. Like, no, he was there. It was there. He was, his, his entry into the X-Men world was him wearing go-go boots sliding down a stripper pole um, next to Professor X. He did date Elliot Page in that movie, so he's definitely on our team. He is on our team. Uh, Iceman has always been on our team. My... One of my favorite comics ever was the comic where Emma Frost is basically trying. He's like, he's like, something's stopping me from accessing all my power. She's like, you're being held back by something, Bobby. What could it be? And he goes, I don't know. She's like, 
We know what it is, Bobby. What are you being held back by? I've been in your brain. I was in your brain. Yeah. I was you. FYI. So what was it? And he just goes, I don't know. And then he 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 figures it out later. Um, but uh, yeah, Bobby's been gay forever. Um, we get all that, and then we go back to Rachel and Cyclops again after like Emma's trying to find them. Um, and this is when Rachel's like getting a little bit of her power back. And she's kind of getting, uh, you know, residual energy of this place they're in. And she's kind of figuring out where their location is. She And she does realize while walking up the stairs in front of Scott, whose eyes are open because he's lost his powers for a moment. Yeah. She's like, hey, maybe put your glasses on so you don't melt your daughter. <laughs> FYI. <laughs> just, just quick note. Quick note. That's always something where, like, uh, he he's at sometimes Cyclops is overly anxious about his glasses or visor not being on because he's he's always ever present of like the possibility of him just murdering somebody by looking at them not this but then there are there are a lot of times where he loses his powers and doesn't rush to get his visors back on because i think the boy is just enjoying seeing colors yeah you know for a moment um (laughs) which i get it does does cyclops see in virtual boy all the time yes oh he does that's rough Like, at least do blue. Like, be a ski goggle. Here's the funny thing, is that there was a half a second where somebody tried to write, and I can't remember if it was in a comic issue or in one of, like, the Marvel handbooks, that they said that the while it's Ruby Quartz visors, the way the light passes through and he sees, he sees in yellow, Um, which is, like, I guess, gunner glasses, essentially. Uh, but then that was completely like, no, no, no. He sees red. He sees red. They've shown the way he sees. They've like gone through his perspective. He sees only in red. And I, he sees in love, Terminator, basically. He sees uh, virtual boys. Good. That's a good reference. All right. Let's stay there. Uh, let's stay there. That, oh man, what a great idea that made that when you played that game and made you want to vomit. I uh, had one. And my friend had one. I would play it. I loved it in the car, like on car trips. I'd play for like an hour. And How did you play that thing in a car? If you lean against the seat, like your parents' seat in front of you. Because could... by the way, this isn't a small device that straps to your head. It came with a stand yeah. that was supposed to but be on a table. If you push your face forward <laughs> into the seat in front of you, you can hold it on your face. Look. I'd pay so much money for a photo of how you looked in the back of your parents' car, just leaning forward, playing one of their terrible games they made for that console. True story. I auctioned off my actual Virtual Boy on Desert Bus for $4,000. Wow. I had a bunch of Gearbox artists decorated and drawn for charity. It was great. Yeah. That's great. Uh... Yeah, Virtual Boy site is now how Cyclops sees. Um, Waterworld on Virtual Boy is his favorite game. (laughs) That's a real game, by the way. No, thank you for naming a game. I couldn't even name. I know there was a Wario game for Virtual Boy. Uh, I think I played that. The the Wario was like foreground, background. It was really good. There was Mario Tennis. There was was Mario Tennis. Waterworld. There was a pinball game. I remember playing... I remember playing some sort of space flying game that was like a Star Fox game, but I don't yeah. know think it was Star Fox. It was like vector uh, based. Yep. 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 So it was it like was a vector late seventies, early eighties arcade game, like battle zone, but it was in your eyes. It was in your eyes. It was okay. Slowly melting your pupils. It was. <laughs> Do not play for more than an hour at a time. I cannot stress <laughs> you, this enough. 
you already referenced that you're wearing bifocals. Uh, kids, don't do that with Virtual Boys. Um, we go... This is when we get to... Banshee has now got this file. He's like, oh, Moira's got something to share. I need to transport it via a plane. And this is when we this is when Vulcan sends the X jet yes. that he has stolen from Cyclops and Wolverine and he sends it to crash into Banshee and Banshee tries to have one last moment of heroism and gets out of the plane tries to stop it with his voice sad story he doesn't and the poor uh, Irishman dies um, does he stay does dead from this point or when does he come back how long he I think he might have been brought back. No, I think he stayed dead. It's Whoa. hard to remember because it's hard to remember because now in 2019, starting 2019, Jonathan Hickman's reboot involved giving the X-Men the power to now just resurrect themselves at all times. Um, and That's so a now they power. It's really cool. Um, and they and so it's hard to remember who was dead up to that point that got resurrected and who was resurrected at some point. I think Banshee stayed dead dead. We should came back. point out, because I just pulled up the the uh, panel. Banshee uh -huh. like makes a big heroic, I'm going to do this, opens the door and jumps out. He opened yeah. the door on a plane. <laughs> in a moving airplane. <laughs> in a moving airplane and just, he's like, it's fine. From the perspective of the passengers... A they pressurized saw, cabin. They saw an old ginger get up and uh, take off his clothes. Yeah. Open his, his the like, door. Uh, and then he jumped out and started screaming very loudly. Um, and then, ex then they all exploded. That was their last vision was just seeing this man opening up the airplane. I love, I love that his last panel is just no. Dot, dot, dot. No. Just a big old I, I, I oopsied. Maybe I should have just uh, GTFO'd and uh, saved myself. Um, yeah, you actually can't stop jets going supersonic speeds in the air. <laughs> in the air. Um, with your chest, yeah. in this case. <laughs> and face. Um, so Banshee dies, um, and that's the end of that yeah. issue. We literally meet Darwin right after that. And then we meet we meet Darwin and we hear about the sad story of this unwanted boy who has the coolest power ever. Who, um, who gives his mother the benefit of the doubt, even though she's a terrible person. Sorry. I wasn't supposed to swear. Although she's a terrible person. I'll just cut that out of the recording. <laughs> we'll get that in post everybody. I can get it. Uh, <laughs> you're fine. You can leave it. Like I said, I try to keep this somewhat PG. It's, you get your one Sorry, F bomb. I'm, I'm, That's our one. Hey, I, I can mute it out. It's not a problem. It, it's fine. Uh, his mom sucked um, a lot, and you, you, it, it endears you even more to Darwin that this poor little boy is literally just yeah. trying to like make make his mom love him. This should not um, be like hard advice to follow, but like, don't be mean to four year olds. Yeah, don't sell your kid to a school. Yeah, that should be. Oh, a, hey. a go to. Oh, yeah, that is sort of at the last second. She's like. All right, well, how Can much money me? are we talking here? Yeah. Can you pay me to take my super smart, amazing child um, who made this nasty man leave me that uh, probably shouldn't have been married to me in the first place? Did you um, notice how much gold jewelry 
she's wearing in this comic. <laughs> she's got like a big old gold bangle band on her arm yeah. and on her wrists and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. Covered in gold. You sold your <laughs> child. You know, she was spending her money on the wrong things. That is you kind know, of survival like, of the fittest, though. So I don't know how. Because that's eh, like it works for his Dar- story. Darwinism. Yeah. Whoa, that's like that's like it's symbolism. Layers. Yeah. Darwin's an onion. Whoa. Uh, Deadly Genesis three. We're we're getting there. Uh, the X Mansion is on lockdown by the One, which is what the name of that organization that's running the Sentinels is called. Vulcan, then. Uh, manages to manipulate Rachel's powers to do what we find out is he's trying to mine the minds yeah. of all the X-Men to try to find Professor X. He wants to exact his revenge on this man who left him stranded on a rock for, um, I don't know, like in, in their canonical world how many years, but in uh, in our world, it's been since 1975. So quite a while. Yeah. Uh, a, a, a skosh of time. A skosh of time. Um, do the sliding time scale of things. He hasn't been there for 50 years, but you get what I'm saying. Um, the X-Men are confronted about their... This is one of my favorite parts of the story. They're confronted about the jet that just ran into a a, a commercial airline um, uh, plane, and their go-to uh, strategy on how to get away from the government, getting mad at them about their jet running into another jet, is they go, someone stole our military jet. And I put in a police report yesterday for someone stealing our military jet. And I think that's great. I think it's so silly. It's so dumb, but I love it. Um, I feel like those should like, be harder to steal than this was. You Don't yeah, like leave the, the keys out. The military sees one piece of paper that says, I put in a police report. And they don't think about like this school has people that can re- manipulate reality on like an atomic level. Yeah. And someone stole their plane from their underground bunker. Um, but military goes, this tracks. All right. Next time someone steals your jet, you need to let us know. Um, Havoc also, this is when, while he's mining all their minds, they all see these ghosts. Yeah. Havoc sees more ghosts about professor x talking to his dad corsair who and he finds out like he he has these ghosts of like again professor x being a total jerk he knew who alex's dad was but didn't tell him right away and that's actually canonically correct um i try to i see here's the weird thing about this is that havoc's ghosts make sense colossus is being haunted by soviet soldiers that makes sense I'm I'm sure there's a story of it, but I don't know why Iceman was being haunted by pterodactyls. It, it's the X Men have come across dinosaurs, but I don't know how that's part of like they're all being haunted by the the, the horrors of their past and their origins. It's pterodactyls are part of Iceman's no, origin. No, I can explain this. It's self reflection. Pterodactyls are the gayest dinosaur. <laughs> Everybody knows that. They are. They are. I can't wait to see a shirt in your catawampus store that just says pterodactyls are the gayest dinosaurs. And it's um, just confetti everywhere. It'll be, it'll be great. It'll be great. Yeah, literal confetti. It has one built into the shirt. Yeah, their tails are dragging like pride flags across the sky and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know That's, how our uh, business works. I do, I do. Um, Nightcrawler and Wolverine kind of uh, befuddle the military soldiers and manage to find one Banshee's body 
and two the case uh with the files that will tell them the origins of vulcan which really becomes kind of a moot point when they all find their way to where i guess they needed to figure it out because they need to know where this other facility was to then go and try and save their their friends but when they all get there like vulcan does the whole thing where he has them all learn the truth through mind melding um and so moira's files kind of become a little moot but like i said it's so they can figure out like oh she had a facility that was like a couple hundred miles north of our x mansion so it makes sense they get the files and this is also when rachel we cut back to rachel and she reveals that while they're like trying to escape that vulcan new professor x they're piecing bits of vulcan's origin together um the issue ends with b starting to watch the moira video um and this is when we get sway's backstory um the i i was reading about these characters and their powers and i loved i love when people like actually scientifically try to describe how these characters what these characters are doing when they're doing these powers like for example iceman is not technically technically like controlling ice he's actually controlling heat on a on a uh uh, like a freezing level like he's actually removing heat from the air subtracting yeah 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 um and so the way they talk about sway and any of these time controlling mutants is they're actually controlling gravity because gravity affects time um i would love to see their explanation for darwin because it's so (laughs) like whatever the writer needs at that moment they can't always explain like how it would scientifically work but i like when they try to like describe like what's actually happening like i i talked about i i i think i don't think i put it out yet but i'm putting out like a little bonus video where i answered some q a's and people were like how did gambit's powers work and it was fun to like do research on that and be like he's actually he takes what they call the potential energy in a in a inorganic object and converts that to kinetic energy that results in explosion because of a item being overcharged with its potential energy. That's just fun little, that's fun little ways to describe these characters. The X-Men is science, uh, as we all know. X-Men is science. Yeah. Um, Another shirt that will be in your store. (laughs) Uh, So then we're halfway through, and we're in issue four, and this is when we learn the truth about uh, your favorite island called uh krakoa there you go krakoa um i appreciate that because it's the four earlier x-men because this is the whole backstory issue but the they're standing around in empty wheelchair that cover like stopped me on my tracks i was like oh this is a very good cover it's that's that's a that's dad went out for cigarettes on like a much larger scale Yeah. Um, uh, Dad went out for cigarettes and then sent us to an island that ate us, uh, and then launched us into space just for good. Memory. And then and then and then and then his new kids launched us into space to make it even worse. But they weren't aware of it for like twenty five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't. They they didn't mean to do it. Um, yeah. Where this is when we get like, you know, Professor X went to Moira. He needed them to. He needed her help because he oh, the, lost his children. The flashback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the flashback of the X-Men on the island, everything like that. And then this is when they're interjecting new information where, you know, can I uh, he has point out one panel real quick? Th- would love to. This panel of Professor Xavier 
is the funniest <laughs> panel. <laughs> this is this is uh like, issue four. Page uh, four or five. It's like page like four. Um, and it's him trying to my link to Gene cut out. He's he's really yeah. he's really worried, but it looks like somebody has attached tape to the sides of like five points of Xavier's head and is just pulling that back. Yeah. Um it, it is it's the best. I, w- I wanted to update my avatar on Twitter to that. Today. Just to have that, the side profile. Never explain it. <laughs> this is when uh, the Rachel and Cyclops finally managed to break free. And uh, this is when Rachel's like, I'm learning more about this, this KV guy. He thinks he's an X-Men and... You know, it's getting more and more mysterious. Cyclops has been to this place. Everything's everything's coalescing. We're all getting the answer to this mystery. Oh now. dang, this is the issue where Swamp Thing shows up. Like out of <laughs> nowhere, they are confronted with a very tall Swamp Thing. I like that. And like people who read Giant Size X Men nineteen seventy five knew this, but yeah, I there's it's just giant swamp things are fighting the X Men on an island. What um, more could you want? Which is crazier because Swamp Thing's DC. He's not even Marvel. But if you don't give him a name and just give him really big teeth, then it's fine. Yeah. That's parody. Yeah. Uh, it is. Um, there's a great... The the looseness of parodying IPs was something they did a whole lot more back in the day. You know, like, like They stopped doing it. They stopped putting like real people and references to media in the comics to a degree. But there's a great opening panel, opening splash page of Inferno, the story that we just read from 1980, that is literally a parody of, it is a little boy in a red wagon holding a stuffed tiger toy being attacked by a monster and it's clearly a Calvin and Hobbes at this the first page of this issue is just Calvin and Hobbes. And then in the same story in like an issue prior, they have a ghost the Ghostbusters show up. They don't call them that, huh. but the Ghostbusters show up like with their proton packs and everything like that. It, they were loosey goosey with IP. If I know anything about Bill Bill Waterston, it's that he loves when people just grab that IP and use it to yeah. profit. God, such yeah. a fan. Such a fan. Yeah. At the very least, he wasn't peeing on something. They didn't have Calvin peeing on something. So um, that maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, who knows? Maybe Chris Claremont knew Bill. I, you know, they're writers. You just made me want to make, like, Calvin peeing on stuff, but it's only, like, the worst car brands. So it's, yeah. like, Calvin peeing on Genesis or, like, <laughs> Geo. <laughs> Just ones where people are like, why are you so? Why do you have such a vendetta against these random yeah. car brands? Uh, kids listening um, to this podcast, quick note: Geo was a company in the '90s. They made a car mm-hmm. called the Geo Metro. Yeah, I moved it out of a parking space in my high school once with my friends. Just yeah, because they were not big cars. You have put it in park. The back wheels are locked, but the front ones aren't. So you just pick so up the bumper, kind of wheelbarrow and it, wheel it out. Yeah, don't and, don't and drive were, Geo were, Metros. No, made of way too much plastic, those cars. Uh, so are my lungs. Oh, too, <laughs> too real. The, the, I, those were like two-cylinder engines, weren't they, those oh, cars? Yeah. My friend had one. My friend had one. I and to hear it don't turn on. think a Geo Metro could pull a cardboard box. Like if you put it on, a, <laughs> on the trailer hitch, which you would have to weld onto the car because it definitely did not have one. 
I would love to see a BattleBots-esque fight between a Geometro and the little three-wheeled car that Mr. Bean drives that always constantly is tipping, right. or the one that he constantly tips over with his car. I want to see those cars fight in a ring together and see. It's one of those things like whoever wins, everyone loses. There is uh, a very good episode of Top Gear where they're driving around that three-wheeled car and they do everything in their power to flip it over repeatedly. It is the funniest thing in the world. I know everybody has fantastic. canceled Jeremy Clarkson and you're totally right to do so. Yeah. But dang, when they're flipping that car, I can't help it's but good stuff. It's so good. It's good I think stuff. he actually drives it through the BBC now that I think about it. Like, like liter- literally in the offices, he's running a gas-powered vehicle in an enclosed... Okay, it's not as funny when you say it after the fact. <laughs> he slowly poisoned all these employees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just exhaust going through all of their offices. Clarkson, you're canceled uh, again. We got him. Uh, we kind of get more of a, a reintroduction of the characters as Professor X meets them all in Moira's school. Yes. Um, and this is where, because we haven't gotten Vulcan's story, this is where we learn a little bit of his mysterious past and that he's clearly the one who's the most eager to be on this team, to be in this school, to do all that kind of stuff. Yes. Um, and this is, and that leads into Professor X uh, pitching them this concept of like, hey, I need you to come be X-Men and save my X-Men. And Vulcan is gung-ho. Um in character, Moira's like, let's talk about this. We don't we don't need to jump to conclusions about this, but Vulcan's just like he's he's ready to be an X-Men. He wants to be on that team. Um He volunteers everyone else to be on the team before they None could... of them object. Yeah, well they just they Yeah, that's true. But then they do this fun little thing where they do mind training where it's kind of like matrix style downloads. Oh yeah. This, uh, the, it's not, we've retconned the danger room. Now the danger room is just in your mind. Yeah. If, if they need to just get a, you know, do some crunch testing and training, you can do, you know, months in hours of real time I, and you can know Kung Fu. I love to test Darwin's powers again, only in his mind. They put him in front of like, 15 flamethrowers and just hit them full blast. And yeah. they're like, wow, that worked. He's really uh, adapting <laughs> to this. And, and it's like, I, wait, there's a chance it wouldn't have worked. They don't show like you would hope that there would be like an escalation process of like, all right, Darwin, touch this lighter. Yeah, this candle. Are you feeling heat? You know, and then they do it. But they, they just jump to that that panel of just like fire all the fire on that boy, that little boy. Burn him and see if he lives. Uh, oh, he lived. Xavier sitting in the back of the room, like bathed in noir-like light. Interesting. Interesting. It would be, as long as Darwin was into it, it uh, if you were a friend of him, you probably would spend some time just like, you know, going out and seeing what you could do to him, he, you know, and just see what happens. He burns this boy and then says, and I quote, if he could learn to control it, if at will, the possibilities would be endless. Yeah. I think one of the possibilities is that you burned a teenager, Charles. <laughs> yeah, because like it, right now it is an autonomic response. If you turn to something that he controls, 
uh, what if he can't control when it turns on and he doesn't like automatically do it anymore? Yeah. That would be a whoopsie. What if there's a time limit? Can he survive <laughs> fire for two hours? <laughs> he survives a lot. There's a there's a story in the modern comics where there's this lab that inside the lab talking about time not working the same in other places where the lab has this science that makes time pass faster in it and it's this whole idea of like creating an advanced species of humans that will come out of it eventually. Well, they try to infiltrate this it's called the world and they infiltrate it with three mutants. One is uh X23, Wolverine's clone daughter. Yes. Um the other is a mutant called Sink who can sync up with the powers of mutants around him so he can have the same powers. And so since X-23 won't age like a Wolverine, um, he can have her powers the whole time. And they throw Darwin in there because they need all three of them to be able to survive for hundreds of years possibly. And they go in there and they all live in this place for like 500 years. And Darwin doesn't age because his evolution says, well, to survive, I shouldn't age beyond my prime you know, age right now. And so he just lives for hundreds of years. So Very I don't think there's a, yeah. Um, so they go become X-Men in uh, Xavier's mind palace. Yep. He, I like that in his mind palace, he also gives them their costumes. Um, doesn't even want to do that in real time. Let's just, let's just get through with this guys. The, you got your costumes. The tailoring. I, I would like to point out that the tailoring on their costumes they do make a mention that they're so skin tight it leaves nothing to the imagination in Charles's mind. <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, you know, Charles, he's problematic. He's problematic. Um, he's he's got his good points God, and he's got he his bad points. He looks so good in that suit, though. It's tough. He looks great in the suit. Um. One of my favorite new things in the X-Men comics is the annual event, the Hellfire Gala. And it's basically Marvel, in a nutshell, letting a bunch of gay artists draw these X-Men in the best fashions ever. It's just a it's just a parody of the Met Gala. And so you've got, you know, these amazing artists getting to draw, like, what if an actual fashion, you know, designer was able to create an outfit for Cyclops or Jean Grey or Beast or something like that? You have just they... introduced the best Project Runway challenge that could ever yeah. exist. Yeah. Pick an X-Man, but make it fashion. Like, but that is fashion. so good. We were talking earlier that I'm not much of a... I'm not much of a reality TV watcher. If that became something, you couldn't you couldn't hold me back from watching that. They do I would... stuff like that sometimes. They do uh, movie crossovers. There's a reality show that's sort of a competition on Max right now where they're mm -hmm. building a Barbie house with all these different designers. Uh, it's fun. That's fun. But they all that's, have yeah, like a little bit different... of a promotion. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so they send those kids off to die. And we go back and Beast, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler are learning more and more about, uh, you know, they, they're they watching this all happen and they're learning about what this is all about because Moira's telling them. Rachel and Scott are now on the surface. They get to see the sign that is Muir McTaggart Research uh, and Development. And uh, Cyclops is getting more of his memory back. And this is when Vulcan shows up and, like, really does, you know, sets us up for the cliffhanger at the end of, like, the mystery is going to be finally revealed of what really happened to him and his friends. 
He looks like um, Willem Dafoe when he shows up. He does look a little bit like him, yeah. like a young, a young Dafoe. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, Willem Dafoe's been in DC Comics. Put him in Marvel. Marvel, Has write that Marvel? down. Just put him in. I you uh, can say is has actor been in marvel and given (laughs) infinite time the answer will be yes everyone everyone's been in it um borat this is one one of the x-men for a while there (laughs) he's nice i sasha barry cohen he's gonna make it in the into the marvel universe at some point right i it does seem pretty i feel like he would i if you bring the hellfire club into the x-men continuity they're they're gearing up to do i think he could very much be what was that uh is that sebastian, sebastian shaw? shaw yeah yeah that's a good right? one right yeah oh sasha would be like sasha would be able to, a lot of good villains he's got good villain energy but sebastian shaw is a good pull well in fact he has the mutton chops right so like yeah i sasha baron cohen needs mutton chops we learned he that in also... that movie that took place in the 70s i forget what it was which one? The the court movie. Wasn't he in the... God, why am I forgetting what this is called? Oh, oh, the... Oh, I know what you're talking From about. The, the Netflix Aaron Sorkin. film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something yeah. sad? Uh, it was a number. There's a yeah, number in the title. There was, okay, we've narrowed it down. I'm wasting time. <laughs> I am so sorry. I like when you get to these moments and someone's clearly like probably in their car just screaming the name of this movie as they're uh, listening to this dumb podcast that is going so much longer because me and Mikey can talk I for forever. I literally have a hole in my brain. I will show you the CT scans. Just <laughs> let me forget stuff sometimes. We get Kid Vulcan's origin story. We find yes. out he he was he was on like a mysterious like slave compound. Um, their, and their word, he, not ours, just to be clear. No, no, no. He was a slave. He was a slave to the Shi'ar. We know yes. that at this point. And the manifestation of his powers results in him, like, melting his only friend, which is very sad. That's going to mess up somebody. Um, while you're also a slave. Um, so your only friend, while you're a slave, you murder with your energy powers. Um, yeah, that's a day ruiner for sure. A bit. We fast track through it all, and he gets, you know, uh, picked up by Professor X. He meets Cyclops, um, and he's like, for the first time in his life, seemingly happy. Right. He's like Kid Vulcan of the X Men. And um, okay, issue five. Um, this is when the humans are catching up on who Vulcan was. He was there at the plane crash. Um, and they're like, oh, this might have been the culprit, this man who was just laughing as he hovered over the wreckage of 200 people. Um, we should go and try to track down his energy signature, and so they send a sentinel after I him. I do appreciate that the cover of issue five not only shows you who the third Summers brother is, but like there's big mm-hmm. red impact text. Yeah, the, the third, third Summers, Summers brother, brother revealed. Un- yeah. yeah, or unleashed, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's coming. Um, and speaking of the third Summers brother, this it it cuts to him, and he's talking about how this is all coming to plan. This is all part of his plan. He's gathering an audience because um, he's trying to to find Professor X. And while he's like having a villain moment, that's when the Sentinel does show up, and the Sentinel does n- literally nothing against him because this man is Omega level um, energy manipulator, um, and he. F- bodies the sentinel down onto the ground 
Um, and then he does a murder. This is a murder. We, we see a murder in this, this one where the human comes out of the Sentinel and he just vaporizes that sad man. Um, not the only time he's going to do it. No, but Rachel takes his opportunity to go and get the X-Men. And this is all again, according to, uh, Gabriel's ultimate plan. Um, and from there, uh, you know, we find out Banshee died on purpose because he's trying to get Professor X's like uh, attention, and that's when we cut to Wales, and uh, we we see a what seems to be a, a Professor X just having a nice beer at a bar in a pub in a pub. I did um, appreciate that in two thousand five, there is a quick panel uh, of a boat floating through the water, and I immediately. Because it, it has something splashing into the side. It looks like something's attacking it. And I just determined that was an orca whale. <laughs> Talking about those who are eating the rich, orcas are doing the jobs that the vampires should be doing. Make orcas X-Men, you cowards. Yeah, do it. Um, I don't think there's been an orca-type X-Men. There's been very few. I made a complaint a long time ago. There's been very few X Men that have water based powers. Um, That's true. They're all fire yeah. and energy and lightning and that kind of thing, um, or ice. Um, there's been a few like underwater X Men, like shark like or squid like X Men, but no like water benders. Um, I would love an Orca X Men. Do it. Yeah. Give me an Orca X Men. Um. Rachel shows up to the X-Men. She tells them, you know, we got to go save Cyclops. Um, and, you know, uh, Cyclops gets, you know, we cut back to Cyclops and Vulcan and Vulcan's like brooding in the rain, talking about, you know, his plan and Cyclops is getting angry and anger. Not much is happening here. That's just kind of building up to Professor X showing up, right. you know, uh, which is the big reveal. Professor X is alive. He's there. He's walking. Um, he's walking. Um, which no one points out, but I think that's because they've seen him in and out of the chair so many times. Like Cyclops has seen this at this point. Yeah, that's true. He's just like, oh, we're at this point again. Um, Somebody get a basketball. (laughs) He's going to want to play. That's like if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah, he dunks on you. Professor X working legs. He he, will play basketball. He's like, he gets in your face. He's like, you just got X. (laughs) X going to give it to you. Um, (laughs) That's his favorite song. Uh, Professor X is a human. That's the big reveal here as well. Um, and he knows who uh, 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 Gabriel is. Um, the X-Men show up. Wolverine does what Wolverine does. Immediately jump at a bad guy knowing nothing about what his powers are or what he could do to throw this little Canadian away. Um, does it all the time. Doesn't matter if it's Magneto. Doesn't matter. Wolverine will jump at a bad guy. Yep. Um, and then usually gets blasted away. Um, it's better when he gets fastballs specialed into getting yeah. blasted away. That's my favorite. I mean, that's his. That speaks to what like Wolverine is there to do, which is the, his move is literally a large Russian throwing him even faster yeah. at the bad guy, so that the bad guy can throw him back and rip off his arm even faster. He's growing um, another one. Yeah, he'll do it. Um, you know, the, Vulcan. Uh, this is when Vulcan like tells like you know Xavier like he needs to tell what happened and he and he wants to do it with telepathy and this is when Xavier goes I can't I ain't got no powers I'm just a a human um, and then they kind of added an interesting I think they wanted to continue this like little 
little th- theme they've been doing where these little like post credit scenes yeah. to talk about them. And they do a little bit of an Emma Frost post credit scene. She is um, in her underwear. How often is that? Because like I so, always knew she wore skimpy outfits, but like literally she just shows up in a trench coat, takes it off, and she's just in lingerie. Her, if you if you 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 can pick it up on it, but a, she started in the Hellfire Club as one of the dancers, as one of the call girls, uh. as that and worked her way up as like Sebastian Shaw's like special girl, you know, manipulating her way along the way as well. But she came in like, she's like a, you know, the janitor who's now the CEO kind of story for the hellfire club where she was a call girl, um, that now that later became the white queen of their order. Um, and, uh, yeah, this is when Professor X and Moira try to recruit her, and I like the little bit of the the contrast where if Professor X approaches young children in need, they go, "Yes, I will go with you." This kindly old man in a wheelchair yeah. who's saying, "I can live at your school." Who but asked to talk me to, to like, die for him? And I yeah, just yeah, yeah. agreed. I guess I don't know. But but a street smart like adult grown ass woman is like, "Go away, crazy man! I'm not joining your cult." And I. I love Emma for that. I love Emma that she's like, nope, I'm going to do this my way. I don't need to go be in your weird little group. Have you noticed Um, how often people yell at Professor X to stay out of their mind and how little he does it? (laughs) Every time. His best friend wears a helmet to keep him out of his mind. You know, like his boyfriend knows, like, stop it. I'm putting the helmet back on. Best friend slash nemesis. Yeah, best friend slash nemesis slash boyfriend. They yeah. are they that that's what they are. I They're ship complex. that for sure. Like Louis and Lestat, that's what they are. You know, they are they 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 should be enemies, but they are also lovers. Um, who play chess? Who play? Yeah, uh, in New York in Central Park. Um, all right, we're at issue six. We're at the finish line here. Yes. Thank you for hanging out this long, uh, Mikey. I hope this isn't been you're supering your entire night i've missed podcasting with you so bad i hope your (laughs) audience is not like michael shut up shut (laughs) up i i every time i i look at my like audio form of the podcast i just look at that i'm like look how much i just screamed about x-men for x amount of time like who who wants this but there's a nice little audience that's enjoying this there's there's a core group of people that love to hear um, about X-Men, especially if it's a, they especially love it if it's a couple of queer boys who are just talking about Hell it. Cause yeah. like it's a, it's a metaphor for us. A couple um, of queer boys would be a very good name for a podcast. I can't take on or, a full time one right now, <laughs> but I'm going to put that in my mom palace. <laughs> I, I was thinking you're going to say it's a good name for an X-Men team. I would love that. Also that. So let's start yeah. another podcast or an X-Men team. <laughs> So issue six, everyone does a does a mind link. Everyone does a unimind, um, thanks to Rachel because Professor X has that power, so we can all get our own little uh, story time. And we find out what actually happened to Vulcan, Sway, Petra, and Darwin. I got bad news for three of you. <laughs> well, two Dar Darwin survives for a as, minute, and then he's absorbed yeah. by. Like, are you really alive if someone absorbs you into their body? I mean, he's technically. St- I, yeah, I don't. He was. 
there I, there's been a few times in comics where people actually really tackle what it must be like for some of these like immortal creatures of like dc and marvel when they get in these states of being trapped for years plastic man in jla got uh they thought he got killed but he actually his particles can't like be killed like he's like this indestructible plastic but he was spread throughout all of like the earth and was trapped for years that way as particles spread and wasn't until he was brought together through i think it was like martian manhunter or something and he came back and he was a little crazier than usual true true story real science that is why we all have microplastics in our lungs it's just plastic man comics being atomized (laughs) into our food but i say that all because like you know even with the sliding time scale, say 10 years have passed, that means Darwin was sentient energy inside of an angry boy for 10 years in space. Not talking to him, because Vulcan doesn't reference that Darwin's in there at all. And so Darwin's just hanging out for 10 years as sentient energy. Um, and he comes out not a jerk. He must have been meditating a lot. Yeah, very... In his own space, I think. Coming yeah. into his own, that Darwin never raises his voice. Yeah, very monastic. Uh, the team is on Krakoa. They find Scott. But all the while, they're feeling like they're getting drained. Um, if you don't know what that is, is that the the twist of Krakoa is that Krakoa thrives off of, like, it is an energy sucker. And it, like, later on in Giant Size X-Men 1, Wolverine and all them find the original X-Men being, like, uh, they got tubes and all in there, like these tubers from Krakoa that's like sucking their mutant powers out of them. And that's how Krakoa survives. Um, and so that's why they find Cyclops in that state, free him. And in Giant Size X-Men 1, the story is that Krakoa must have let Cyclops go to lure more mutants to Krakoa. That was the way the story happened in Giant Size X-Men. Why did Cyclops make it off the island when everyone else oh, did it? We're about to well, find out. Well, now they retcon it that this team found him, got him on the plane, and then proceeded to go try to get the other students, and then um, some ouchies were had. Um, but before we can get to the ouchies, uh, you know, they're learning, uh, you know, that Vulcan is the third Summer's brother. They're trying to figure out how he could be the third Summer's brother because Havoc's like, I would know I have a younger brother that looks like who looks older than me. Like that doesn't make sense. How are you already th- cooler than me? We just how introduced you? you. How am I the third Summers already? How am I Alex Summers the third Summers brother? Very much so. And this is when Xavier's like, you were not born on Earth. You were born in Shi'ar space. Um, the original or the origin story of like what happened to Corsair was that it's what they point out. He was, uh, they were abducted from the plane that all their family was in. This is the plane that Scott and Alex crash in where that was the, the accident that Cyclops thought is why his, uh, lasers don't work. Cause he hurt his head in the fall when they were jumping out of a plane with only one parachute, um, him and his brother, Alex, his parents got abducted by Shi'ar people. They got made slaves. Um, Corsair tried to, you know, get out. And uh, Deken, the emperor, who you probably remember from the cartoon from the Phoenix saga. Yes. He loved that the Macron crystal. Um, he kills his wife and seemingly kills his boy. Doesn't kill his boy. Puts him in a microwave. Cooks him up real good. So he's For, a big, strong boy. He goes from like six days old to 32 
Yeah, it's like a dude, like a real dude. Stop robbing children of their childhood's professor. <laughs> no, well, this is Deken. Oh, yeah, that's true. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but don't worry. Professor X is a terrible father as well. Um, he has a couple of sons. As we learned done. on Legion. Yeah. Bad dad. Just not a good dad. Uh, and so that's why uh, uh, Vulcan is the way he is is because he was he's a he's a space baby um and then they reveal what happened to the team with a very brutal fight between vulcan's team and krakoa sway that goes down sway that sway gets panel of her getting blasted literally in half shook me to my absolute core i was like whoa he's got a lot more violent X-Men comics get graphic uh, every once in a while, especially if it's a Wolverine title. Yeah, they, 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 they're they a little more goose, loosey-goosey with that. But I, I, X-Men can get adulty sometimes. And yeah, that's like, it's in silhouette, you know, so they it's kind of like the, the you know, how do you get away with blood? Like make it blue blood, that kind of thing, like Vulcans or stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but it's still, it's jarring because that's not even the only panel we see it because... Yeah, we see her they, laying on the ground in two halves. Like right after, yeah, yeah. Um, at the bottom of the same page, yeah. It's uh, yeah. She is there it's in just two halves, right there in time. And Darwin is just mortified. He's on his knees, like, "What just happened?" Um, and before we can find out, like, how that ended, this is when we learn two big no-nos Professor X did. One was this is when we find out, like, why doesn't Cyclops remember this? Because Professor X decided he shouldn't remember. To, um, to quote K from Men in Black, did you ever flashy thing me? <laughs> Don't do it. Yeah. That that alone, like, totally rationalizes them banishing Professor X at the end of this. Yeah. Um, like, to, to find out that your telepathic dad figure can at any time change your memories and has. For his okay. own ends. Yeah. So that you wouldn't be so traumatized that you wouldn't help him find another group of students to go save the X-Men again. Um, Risk your and life. And then we also find out that he also erased Cyclops' knowledge of uh, him being his brother. Right. Which is also a big no-no. Um, and uh, this is a retcon. In the original Giant Size X-Men 1, Krakoa, Professor X manages to... He says to his students that he's gotten into the mind of Krakoa when they're in like in their big battle at the end of the comic, and he finally gives Krakoa a voice and finds out what Krakoa says. But this is when we find out he did that just so they would uh, hear the story that he wanted them to hear. Krakoa is actually just uh, has no language that they can understand, um, and so again, totally changed people's memories and people's perspective of what was actually happening. Um, don't do that. We find out. And next, uh, this is when they, they point out, like, okay, so how did Vulcan survive? We see it half of Sway, again, yeah. jarring to see, um, that the little combination of all their powers in a domino effect saved Vulcan. Sway's final act was slowing down time yep. a little bit. Petra's final act was, like, shoving them down um, into the earth. So then when it says in here that Jean Grey sends him to space, but again, I pointed out that Storm sends him to space, and then Darwin's body does Darwin does, and he goes, well, I'll survive 
if Vulcan survives, so I'll help Vulcan survive by being energy that he can live off of. In the ground. In the ground. Um, And with that revelation, that's when, you know, uh, Marvel Girl goes, okay, here's our move when we can make it, and pulls Darwin out of him, um, which is pretty boss. Are we coming up on the flashback with Mora and Xavier, or has that already happened? Because that's my favorite line exchange in the whole book. When when he's telling her he's going to alter their memories? Yeah, I've decided that's something that he doesn't need to know. And she's like, you've yeah. decided? They, to, like, they capture the horror that should be in someone's face when their, like, boyfriend says something like that. Because that's what, like, Professor X is to a degree, is, like, an on-and-off lover. It's like, you decided? Uh which I think, in my opinion, sweetens the retcon of Moira. I don't know if you know anything about this whole Jonathan Hickman retcon that he did for House of X, Powers of Ten. Not at all. But the big, the big crux of it was that Moira, who since you know the '60s has been the the uh, model human ally to the X Men, geneticist trying to cure the legacy virus this whole time. She's the human ally that everyone should be. Um, Jonathan Hickman retconned it that she's been a mutant the entire time and that her mutant power is that whenever she dies, she the timeline, all of time resets back to her birth and she is born in uterum with all the knowledge of her last life. And... Wow. She has died now when they when Hickman writes her, she's died uh eight times and she's on her ninth life. Um and this world, Marvel six one six, is Moira's ninth life. Um and if you think about like because she's always trying to she she all of her stories are her trying to solve the mutant issue, whether that be mutants uh, becoming the ones who rule or mutants being uh, deleted or whatever. She's always trying to, cause it always ends bad with the mutants yeah. and humans in all of her lives. It ends bad. And so if you think about like in this life, she's trying attempt number nine of trying to make this work. And she's just looking at a man who's like, I changed his memories. Cause I decided, and she's like, dude, I'm trying to make this timeline work. I'm trying. We, we, I can't reset again. I need you to not do this. Um, and he so listens just a little bit of like, and never does it again. <laughs> oh wait, I'm getting, I'm being told. Actually, hang on. A producer has just come over and told me that uh, he does do it again. He does Amen. it multiple times, yeah. so many times. Um. So yeah, so they pull Darwin out. Vulcan is uh, weakened by this uh, exorcism that Marvel Girl has done. Um. And so again, poor Wolverine in this comic. He's like, "Now's my time to get him." I know I got blasted last time, but now he's weakened. And then he tries to approach Vulcan and just gets blasted again. He just wants to cut a man. I um, mean, if I was indestructible, I think I might think about the plan of attack less. Because I, 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 my Hulk, body will figure it Hulk out. Has ripped me in half, and I just crawled yeah. back to my legs, and I was fine. There was actually a moment in X in X-Men comics later on where kind of like what they had to do with Jean Grey, who just kept getting too powerful that they had to figure out what to do with her, a la Dark Phoenix saga. Wolverine's healing factor 
has escalated in severity of how powerful it is in time. Like when he was first introduced, he'd get like a big cut over his stomach and they'd be like, wow, he healed in like a day. That's crazy. And then it's escalated to the point where at one point during uh, the secret invasion whole story in the comics, he gets just burned to nothing but an adamantium skeleton. Like there's nothing left. And then in minutes regrows Wolverine. Did he regrow so, his clothes? No. Okay. Naked naked man. Naked he hairy man. He grows the hair. Bar and he's okay. <laughs> yeah, it just takes a power aid and keeps going. Uh, and so they had to come to terms with that. And so they had this story where they uh, explained why his, his healing factor is so overpowered and then they kind of nerfed him. Um, but he does get to cut a guy because uh, Cyclops distracts him with his Cyclops blast and he gets a little cut in on Vulcan. Uh, Colossus gets a nice uppercut. Um, Wolverine does a fast fastball special with Shadowcat, throws this uh, this little woman at a man to phase through him and disrupt him, um, which hurts her. And, and she is this dating is, Colossus at this point, right? Yes. So that's that's yes. cute and funny. Yeah, that that she did her boyfriend's move. Yeah, you're replaced. <laughs> Well, Wolverine Colossus is more like Borgosses. I tried. I tried. Yeah, I put we, it... we can fix that. We can fix that in post. <laughs> <laughs> but Vulcan sees that he's beaten, but it doesn't. But it goes like not today, and just yeets himself into space. Yes, to go and take care of the other dude who did a no-no to him, um, and destroy an entire alien empire. The Shi'ar. Um, the Shi'ar. Uh, and so after that, Beast points out that, like, Darwin's growing a new body, or whatever that gas was is th- growing a new body. Um, and uh, they go back to the mansion, and that's where we see that Darwin's, like, actually, you know, fine and dandy, and he's going to be a new member of the X-Men, and we get to see him do adventures for a bit. Um, we have a little bit of a funeral scene for Sway, and Banshee and Petra. Um, it's very sad. There's been there's a lot of there's a lot of X Men funeral scenes in the comics, which yeah. should say a lot about the X Men. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it says more about Professor X. There's a not bit. a grave for him, but there sure is so a tell grave me, for a lot of your students. So your school has a has a graveyard for your students. Yeah, your school has a graveyard on its campus. It's like for. Oh, you actually, I was going to call back to Buffy the Vampire Slayer and you never watched it. But like for the three years she's in high school, I think like 50 or 60 of her classmates are killed in (laughs) horrific circumstances. Sometimes like in the pool and they don't even shut the pool down or classes or anything. (laughs) Oh, it's mortifying. But I get it. If your entire town is filled with vampires and the literal person who's supposed to kill the vampires you know murders are gonna happen they are but i'm first uh, saying i don't I, know any is, uh, or believe any of that so don't go to oh, the bronze is, is, you will die <laughs> or don't go to riverdale either um <gasps> to make a call back to our previous podcast Whoa. uh actually wait, wait, wait before we end this have you watched any of the Riverdale since we ended that podcast? I've seen I've seen the memes and the snippets yeah. of stuff that's happened, and I've seen like hints of how far it went 
bonkers. They were like superheroes. Now I read the synopses like yeah. after. Uh, yeah. I, I, Whoa. Not that I, I, not that we could have continued to do our podcast, but I feel like we ended our podcast before it was really going to get interesting when we talked about, you know, the kids having magical powers as they floated above the the soda pop uh, restaurant. Um, yeah, that would have been interesting to try to break that down. Uh, I'm pretty sure you can still listen to Crimey Riverdale. Um, don't. So Aww. the final. <laughs> actually if you enjoy this energy between me and mikey there's more you just have to like listen to us talk about riverdale um in the context of the year 2016 2017 trying to i i think it was fun because we did it we started it right after the first season came out on netflix and we're like yeah. this fun archie show that's yeah. like growing into this like serious thing. And then it becomes yeah. unserious so <laughs> fast. So silly. They get they, so this absurd. show gets bored of introducing serial killers in Riverdale. Yeah. Cause there's like four and they're like, Oh, that's boring. How, what? <laughs> we got to figure out something else. There's like four um, drug lords. In, yeah, oh my gosh. To talk about students doing things that um, they should not be doing. That's Riverdale. And the X-Men. Uh, but a student that does what he should do happens in the second to last page of this comic where it felt very satisfying to me for Cyclops to finally tell Professor X off and just full-on banish him from the school and say he's not welcome there. I, um, the second to last page has so many good drawings of Professor X's face because he's just <laughs> surprised. And I'm like, can't you what? read his mind? Yeah, he can't. He's a human right now. Oh, that's true. Uh, he cannot. That's why he's he can't. He's so emotive. But he's still like it. Still speaks volumes to Xavier's character that he is surprised that Cyclops is mad at him right now. Mad enough to say you're not welcome here. It's like you altered your students' memories and hid my third brother. Yeah, go away. Yeah, go. That's away. a list of two things. And if I need to go <laughs> further, I can name about fifty well, there, more. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. There's a, we're, we're we're having this conversation next to the graveyard. That's what we're doing right now. So oh, um, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. mad at we you. We are. Um, and so, yeah, the final image of Professor X in this comics is quite the shock uh, face. Like, what? I'm not allowed here after I did, like, a mind crime? Okay. (laughs) More than Um, one mind crime? Multiple mind crimes? It isn't cool all of a sudden? Yeah. And they don't even know all the mind crimes he's done. Um, He ain't gonna tell me. And then the, the... issue ends with a nice little like a uh, tease to this the future of Vulcan that he is going to go find Deken and he's going to like take care of that that ma- bad man who um killed his mommy. Yep. Um it, and that's Deli Genesis. We made it. We did. I liked it. Good. I I was hoping this might be a fun one to do. I I uh I thought that this was an interesting idea at a retcon. It's it's very What's like, it's uh, a soft ambitious retcon, right? It just kind of yeah. introduces another little wrinkle that Xavier has done more mind crimes than you think, yeah. which is always it, a perfectly acceptable statement. And it's it it takes guts to like be like I'm gonna go to like the most sacred era of X Men history, like the Claremontian, yeah. uh, Len Wein era, and I'm going to add to that. And I 
I thought Ed did a good job. I, so it's next never time, next time you're playing Cards Against Manny with him, let him know. I think okay. it's great. It's never hard to believe <laughs> that Professor Xavier has done something worse than the thing you thought he did. Yeah, it makes total always sense. true. So we'll end the show with our little game that I like to play, which is a little bit of MCU fan casting. I. I gave you a warning and I, I'm wondering if you took that, that opportunity to come up with an idea of who you would like. You, I didn't put any rails on what character you can be, whatever you want. It could be somebody from what we just read. I've got a couple suggestions for what we just read. Um, cause I like to play it myself each time. But, uh, if you got to cast Mikey Newman, a, uh, X-Men character, not Sasha Baron Cohen as, uh, Sebastian Shaw, who are you going to go with? I, wanted to go with Wolverine because that that seems like the hardest casting to do a hundred they're going to have to recast after Deadpool 3 you got one more out of him because Hugh Jackman likes money but like at some point um but I think I want to cast Cyclops more because I think they always miscast him really I James Marsden does a good Marsters, Marsters, Marsden, Marsden. I don't remember. I confused him with Spike from Buffy. Look at that. Um, (laughs) Brought it all back. I think Scott Summers. Okay. Hmm. It's hard. You got it. Like the way we've played this game is that like, there's two ways you can do it. Go with anybody you want, no matter what age they are. Or do the hard one and try to think of a young person who Disney's going to cast in these roles and get them in a a predatory 10-year contract. I think the problem is that Marvel already wasted... Not that they wasted Michael B. Jordan and Black Panther because he was incredible, but you've wasted him within the context of the MCU. But if you could, you where would you put Michael B. Jordan? Where would Michael it? B. Jordan yeah. play Cyclops? I actually would... I think Michael B. Jordan playing a Russian. I would make him Colossus. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, I like that. Peter. I like that. Yeah, it's fun. He's a big guy, too. Yeah. He's... He got muscles already. And he has infinite chemistry with anyone you put him next to. So, yeah. I like that. That's great. Um, I I, I think they could do that. Um. I've thought of a couple of options for one characters that were in this story. I haven't cast a Moira yet and I haven't cast a Banshee. Um, and I love Moira a lot. And I was trying to think of a Scottish actress, um, that could pull this off. And I was thinking Rose Leslie from Ooh. game of Thrones. Ooh, I, like that. I, I was going to say um, Saoirse Ronan. Saoirse Ronan would be great as well. Oh, that Saoirse Ronan could totally pull this off. That's another good uh, Moira. I would be fine with either yeah, of those ladies doing sure. this. Um, and for Banshee, I went like, Banshee's actually supposed to be one of the older X-Men. He's actually like recruited to Xavier's at a, he's he's like an older guy. He's not a student. Um, oh, I have, and a, so I was like, okay, so I have a good one after you go. go I go. didn't go super young. But I'm thinking, like, if Disney's going to cast a bunch of teenagers to be X-Men, then they can get somebody who's a little bit older to be Banshee. So I thought Donald Gleason. Ooh. Get a, get, and he's an Irishman. Yeah. He 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 could he could play this. I think he'd have to, like, work on a little bit of his physical embodiment of, like, this superhero, but I think he could do it. I am going to blow your mind because you said we could go from anywhere, living or dead. Yep. Yeah. Um, Leonard Nimoy at 29 
That's fun. Smoking. That's fun a lot. Oh man. Now like just ge- just generally, now you made me go like there's like an alternate timeline where Leonard Nimoy was in like the X-Men movies of any role in that. Like Leonard Nimoy as Professor X. Do it. Like he oh, would have been great. He would have been great. That and like Leonard Nimoy would have just chewed scenery. Of people that would look incredibly hot with a bald dome. Yep. Oh. Highly expressive eyebrows. Oh, that's the, the man. most expressive. <laughs> Maximally expressive. Well, thank you, Mikey Newman, for joining me for this episode of Class of X. We've already called it out, but I'll call it again. You guys need to go find Film Joy everywhere you can find it. It's on YouTube. It's on Nebula. It's on Patreon. All are ways that you can support it. Support it all the ways. Follow it everywhere it is. You're going to enjoy Moves with Mikey. It is genuinely one of my favorite ongoing long YouTube series ever created. I... I do not have the little bell turned on on YouTube channels for basically anybody, but I have them turned on for movies, Mikey, because mm-hmm. I want to watch this nice man talk about how to enjoy movies. It is that movies, Mikey, is part of the foundation of why, how I built this show because I loved that you go out of the way of like the the origins of the show was how do we enjoy movies. I've been um, yeah, 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 I've been like sort of evolving. It's yeah, little, it's it's evolved beyond that. Well, it, 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 I appreciate the art of movies, but also there's dangerous things. So I did kind of yeah. go after Warner Brothers and Space Jam Two recently. Currently on, I YouTube. think hand, in, <laughs> I think hand in hand with how to enjoy movies, you've also been trying to teach people on how to criticize movies, yeah. how to critically think about movies. Yeah, well, because um, nothing is like I I hate it when people are like, no movie is perfect, and I'm like, first of all, yeah, yeah, there's a ton. Raiders of the Lost <laughs> Ark is a perfect movie. If you say yeah. it's not a perfect movie, never get near a camera. You should not yeah. make a movie like. The Incredibles. I've always said The Incredibles, Incredibles is a perfect movie. It, it, was inc- it was a perfect movie until Incredibles 2. Uh, correct. Correct. <laughs> just don't. I, I. Just that. Just I want Incredibles. But yeah, you can you can check out Mikey on all those. Mikey does movies with Mikey. Mikey also does Deep Dive, which is the show where you do watch, uh, we watch subjectively bad movies. Yeah, we let people send us Blu-rays of movies they hate, and we will find everything to love in it. That's um, great. Which a lot of times is the costumes and yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, someone's performance—that's funny. I unironically enjoy the '80s Flash Gordon now. That's great. It's so ridiculous. It's so yeah, gay. Can... <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of latent homoeroticism in these old media pieces, which um, is because we just couldn't say it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. If you liked Mikey, um, check that out. If you're desperate for more of Mikey and John content, go check out Cry Me Riverdale. <laughs> Hell yeah. And, and uh, yeah, you can find Mikey on all those platforms. Oh, and I highly if, recommend it. And then, and then buy a shirt on Catawampus. Buy, buy a, I, a nope shirt. Uh, don't shirt? Don't. Yeah. Don't. Not nope. Don't. Uh, that was, I knew it was a negative statement. That was Tara's, like, she's been thinking about that for, like, two years she wanted a halter top that she could wear to the gym that just said, don't. Yeah, and, uh, and that has been in my brain. And we finally... That's a complete sentence. Yeah. Like, you know exactly what to do with the person wearing a don't shirt, which is also available yeah. in t-shirts if you just want a regular t-shirt. Yep. So, catawampus.ink. Yeah. 
Check it all out. Cool, cool. Uh, this was a delight. I think this is the longest episode Sorry, we've done. I talk a lot. We, no, we I, haven't caught up in so long that. Yeah, I I can. I'm always the one like trying to get people out of here because I assume everybody wants to get off this show. But I will talk with you, Mikey, for forever. And so, seeing as how you didn't, you seemingly didn't totally hate this process. I'm gonna have you back, and we're gonna talk about some more oh, stuff. I know you've do. you've you've got some 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 more in you to talk about X Men. Okay. I think it'd be fun to talk about like more modern X Men too to see kind of what because I've love fallen to. off over time a little bit. Yeah. So I'd love to do something a little bit more modern. We can do it. All right. We'll make it happen. All right. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you, John. Thank you, audience. We'll catch you later. See you next episode. Bye. Bye.